And he was like, no, I'm on leave next week. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, let's go, baby. That's yeah. pretty funny. That's bureaucracy. Good shit. All right, so I'll, I'll start the show. Nice. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> just just me carrying on the conversation as long as possible. Everyone being like, bro, can you start the show? <laughs> just engineering as many cold opens as I possibly can. <laughs> me, me busting out a cattle prod. <laughs> start it. Start it. Okay, fine. That's probably it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beeps. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was going to start the show, but you clearly had better ideas. That <laughs> was him. He started talking. Oh, shit. You started talking. No, no, he I saw said, your lips no, move. He said something. He said, but yeah. <laughs> as you said it, and that's what made me laugh. All right. That wasn't me. I'm a, I'm a fucking rock, baby. All right. I'm solid. <laughs> oh, I'm rock solid. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know how you know I'm rock solid? We're recording. I got a mic in my hand. I got a mic in my left hand yeah, and I got a hot mic in my right hand. Okay. Well, that's two microphones. So <laughs> you don't need two. Stereo, baby. Back to silent. Put one of those microphones of down, preferably the one in your <laughs> left hand, and then we can record the show. All right. Silence. Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. We're back. Hello. We're back, baby. Hello. You've probably just heard a riotously funny call oh, yeah. open from the, from the <laughs> boys like? themselves. Do you like that? I we, uh, loved it. We, we, uh, we officially agreed. I know that it's it's uh, procedure every week to okay. discuss the schedule of the yes, show. Yes, yes, I think This has become a segment. I think this schedule w- corner. I, I think at the moment it's monthly. Okay. All right? I'm not signing off on that. There are like one or uh, t- like two or three people who yep. message me every now and being like, "Where's the show at?" Monthly, right? Mm-hmm. It's monthly. You'll so be hearing from my attorney, right? So if it's been more than a month since the Top Gun episode, fuck, well, they're not going to hear this, are they? Fuck. All right, well, <laughs> keep this in mind for next time. Yeah. Monthly. Write this down in front of you, right. wherever you are. Right. <laughs> Would that be good? We could get like an iCal invite for all of our <laughs> listeners and just get a little just Outlook invite. This, yeah. Gmail calendar. <laughs> Beef yep. station drops. Uh, this week we're covering Baz Luhrmann's new film Elvis mm-hmm. about the king himself, mm-hmm. me, yep. uh, and <laughs> special guest, uh, an Elvis enthusiast, Zach, yeah. is on the show. That's me. I'm Zach. How you doing? Hello. Welcome back, Zach. I've Oscar said, a- I'll bring you in. That's and I feel right. like you didn't... <laughs> You didn't I quite I live really, up to a I, very. You didn't I, give him much of a ramp. I was really testing ramp. his patience. Yeah. I thought, <laughs> oh fuck around. Let's talk about Outlook calendars for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting outside the space station for a full fucking minute before I was allowed back in. So yeah. like haven't a been here for a while. in the gates, starting right. to get real antsy There's before been, the race. Been goes. a bit of COVID. I saved up my money and I chose to spend it coming all the way up here to you fuckers. So yeah. yep. good yep. stuff. Stallion <laughs> in the gates. Stallion in the shakes. <laughs> Listeners, I'm pointing at some sheets. Oh my god, I'm going, I'm going back to fucking Earth, man. Jesus. Yeah, this was a huge mistake and a large waste of money for you. I'm sorry. I can't go anywhere for four weeks. Uh, we should have laid down some ground rules. This is unlistenable already. <laughs> <laughs> no, this okay, is great. So, uh, friend of the show, Zach, is back on the show. I think last time he was with us, we were all up in our remote uh, satellite recording station Probably in Newcastle, yeah. recording yeah. our Avengers Endgame episode. Really yeah, fucking a while hell, ago. Oh, oh, a while ago. It's taken so long to get you back on. You're a great guest. Yeah. Thanks, man. 
I did look at you when I said yeah, it, but yeah. I don't know so why. This, so Sorry. This week we're doing Basil Lemon's Elvis. Uh, Zach asked to be on Top Gun. We were like, no, we've, yeah. we've recorded that. It'll drop in about three weeks. I know. Yeah. <laughs> he asked moments after yeah. we recorded. Do you want to be on any other app? And Zach was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I, guess, I guess I can develop some opinions about Elvis. Yeah. Settle for the king of There's been a couple times with Andrew too. Where I was like, oh, Unbearable Weight's pretty good. Are you guys going to do it? You'd already done it. And then before mm. that, I was like, oh, I know a lot about Batman. And you were like, oh, we already recorded. Yeah, something <laughs> that you need to know is we record the episodes very shortly after the film comes I out know. because otherwise Oscar has a tiny little freak out about <laughs> being like I'm not going to be able to remember it I'm not going to be able to I'm not going to have anything yeah. to say I, we need to record right afterwards yeah, and I then know. each of us will sit on an edit for a month the problem, yeah. the problem is yeah. I didn't know how passionately I wanted to talk about them until I'd seen them so I thought yeah yeah we'll make the gamble with Elvis and fucking here we are okay, today yeah, <laughs> uh, we yeah. got some passion lined up oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll, passionate I'm passionate <laughs> about this movie oh, oh, oh. oh, oh. <laughs> oh so, yeah why are you talking like that? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll get on to our, our, our coverage of Elvis later in the show. For the moment, though, uh, anyone else got any hot anecdotes up the top of the program before we launch straight into the news? <laughs> no, talk about the news. As, as Zach unfolds a typed A4 sheet of paper. <laughs> as, as, he, notes. as he's wanted to do fuck, last time. Zach brought a newsletter. What's going on there? <laughs> All right. yeah, I always come prepared. It's because of the radio. There's man. like nine different fonts on when that I, piece of paper. Because yeah, I did it so listen, quickly. Listen. <laughs> we did it so quickly. I'm not. I'm I'm impressed. Okay. <laughs> Put it through some sort of font scrambler after you finish typing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a random. Some note. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, look, I'm probably not even going to refer to these. Deliver some hot takes. <laughs> I do have at the top here, be funny. So let's see oh. how I go for that, huh? He literally does. <laughs> Damn. I we might have, forget. Why'd you have that note last time, bro? <laughs> oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Sweating, like looking yeah. down at you. know, it's like be funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shit. All the way up here oh, on the BSS, the, the beef space station. Nice. Nice. It's not canon. Not canon. It's not canon. Beef, beef, what do you call it? beef station bracket space. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, should we get into a bit, a bit of news then? Yeah, let's do it. Great. Beef bulletin. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, Seek. First, uh, first. Cab off the rank. Cab off the rank. Thank you. Is something that's I mean it's a very it's a very visual thing but I feel like <laughs> feel like we couldn't couldn't help but mention oh, it. Great, great, good one to kick us off with. Then that's it's right, a, a, a visual, visual a visual story on it's our just that audio podcast. There's uh, the Barbie you movie is filming moron. at the moment. Yeah, and there uh, are some behind the scenes photos. So listeners, yeah. you can Google that. Every yeah. single week, uh, you, we get uh, new photos of Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling in a weird new outfit, Oscar's holding up our photo. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's bad? I got I got hyperlinks on my printed page. He does. He does. He has hyperlinks on the printed page. Yeah. So I'm even more. Uh, all right. That's, that's that's the first story. Yeah. I'm actually quite. I'm I'm very excited for this Barbie movie, but and I'm not looking up anything about it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. So fuck you for showing me that photo. <laughs> I got two quick ones. So apparently James Cameron likens his Avatar sequel saga to Lord of the Rings and quote, "I had to create the freaking novels to adapt." So get ready for that to be amazing. Apparently, <laughs> huge, huge that is that isn't the you best. You guys story, ever heard of a little franchise called Lord of the Rings? Yeah. You're not mocking that, are you? Yeah, that's right. But the best story is that Sigourney Weaver is playing a teenage Navi in Avatar: The Way of Water. So she's not even her character. She's playing a little oh, yeah, I saw this. teenage aged alien in Avatar 2. So I don't understand how she's contractually obliged to be in this film anymore when she's playing a teenager. It must be what 
Why? I Why don't is she know. doing that? I don't know. Very she's weird. She said she's up for the challenge. <laughs> yeah, she did. She said, I was thrilled to be given that challenge. It sounds like she needed money. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. The only, there was some sort of contractual thing. I, that, well, only yeah. that they could pay her a producer's fee as if she also had a bit part or something. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I'm up for the challenge. Very, oh. exci- uh, very exciting news we haven't heard from in a little while. James Bond news. Headline from NME. Who is it? 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 James Bond producer says the next film will reinvent 007. Quote, Uh. I'd say that filming is at least two years away and they haven't cast anyone yet. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't stop them being in their lives. Here we go. The hype train's up and running. I've got that down. They're filming in two years, boys. So start obsessing over that shit because you need to have the Bond vibe carry through forever on this podcast. We don't need to, yeah. (laughs) Fucking IndieWire is going to do our jobs for (laughs) us. We have about a three-week gap. It's fine. Apparently, Baz Luhrmann is re-editing 2008's Australia into a new limited series. Not re-filming, re-editing. So he's just making a longer cut, apparently. (laughs) Uh, that uh, that movie sucks anyway That is the ultimate death of creativity, isn't it? It's not even mm. just making more films about films It's just, I'll turn my film into a TV just show Just cutting it off <laughs> I heard Tarantino Now it's was, got ad breaks in yeah. it I heard Tarantino was going to be doing Oh yeah, true I heard Tarantino was going to be doing that with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood And that never surfaced So maybe this is just Good. like a director being like I want to do this And everyone being like, no <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fuck yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. The the line between this movies and limited series is weird. Limited series seems to be like what like uh, Obi Wan Kenobi was supposed to be three uh, films, yeah, three films in a trilogy. And then and Solo then did Solo tanked. bombed, and so then they they were like, "Now nah, you get a fucking mini series yeah. now." And I think I think they work better as a mini series. Well, though. maybe, but it's a downgrade. Yeah, it you know? yeah. yeah. well. Um, yeah, no, it's true. Miniseries might be less mm. profitable. There's a Michael Jackson biopic reportedly in the works. Says his nephew. Yeah, so right. I saw that. More, more, more good biopics. biopics coming out. Yeah, yeah. Last headline I've got here, which I think is actually genuinely interesting news. So you heard about I'll this, um, that. this Predator prequel, Prey. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> sequel to Eat. I, yeah. I love the Predator franchise, so I've been following this. You've been following the Predator prequel, Prey. Yeah, you I can't have. do that. You don't have a pop filter. <laughs> that's it. That's like you know, that's a I had a, I had Predator a script prequel, idea Prey. for a Predator sequel, also called Prey. I was very pissed off when I saw someone titled their film this, but it's a completely different concept. Are you allowed so to have great. a script idea for like a huge franchise that? I suppose uh, people do that. It's, but I can, it's, it's what, what I would here. call what, what ambitious. Are they do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it involves. It needs Arnie in it too, so I don't know. <laughs> <what they're gonna laughs> it needs yeah. Arnie. It's a great script. It's he becomes the ultimate villain at the end. It's excellent. Arnie. He goes mad. He murders all the other people. It's good stuff. I anyway, suppose people like do this. We just be like, oh yeah, I, had, now. I yeah. had a script idea for Star Wars Ten. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to sit because I was going to call it Prey because then instead of there being predators, he has praise. Anyway, this has nothing to do with that. Thank you, Oscar. That's clever. Thank you. Thank you. You're an idiot. Asshole. Uh, <laughs> so, Prey is it's going set well between the, the <laughs> guest and one of our co-hosts. <laughs> Prey is set uh, in like Comanche tribes 300 years ago. Mm-hmm. And this story is that they're going to release the movie with an option to show the film completely dubbed in the Comanche language. Oh, oh that's cool. Because one of the producers is Comanche. Oh, cool. You'd hope so. That's was, pretty cool, I isn't was it? wondering how respectful they were going to be. <laughs> that's cool. Well, you know, when you see your a film... In your script, you were planning to be hell on oh, the nose. Yeah, right? you no. <laughs> even, even then, like you see a film about Comanches that's from the like America, you're like, well, yeah, it's anything, one or two ways here. Like it's yeah. either sensitive or it's yeah. fucking no. 
not. Anything like, Native American, you're like, Whoa. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, also, so that's only coming to Disney Plus. It's not getting a cinematic release. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, how do they do that? I suppose that this is that they'll yeah. be able to like, switch between it. That's right. That's crazy. I know they're not doing a cinematic release for the new Predator film, which Imagine. is wild to me. But anyway, there you go. And also, they're making a new Joker movie, and I don't really know why the fuck <coughs> are they. Yeah, every movie. single cinema is going to be devoted to whatever fucking Marvel movie is coming out. So that's why they they're releasing yeah. Predator on. Or whatever Baz Luhrmann's making. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that they're making a new Joker movie, right? Well, yes, extremely it depends weird. Depends on yes. what yeah. it is. Like, is it a, is it a sequel with Joaquin Phoenix? Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. He's, yes. he's signed on, he's and I think they've got. I, I think I don't know where I got this, but I think I got the impression that people were like thinking that. Uh, what's the cheerleader character? Harley Mar- Quinn. Mar- I think Harley Mar- Quinn's Mar- going to be oh, in it. Right. <laughs> I don't know why I think that. They I, th- had I thought I swear about I read that somewhere. Casting Harley Quinn as someone as well, right? Yeah, I believe I read that too. Right. So the weird thing about that, <clears throat> which listeners, um, I missed at the time because I hadn't seen it yet, is that obviously like uh, Joker was heavily uh, inspired by slash like homaging uh, King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. Like that era of Scorsese film, right? So doing a sequel to something that so closely mirrors or homages films from the seventies is yeah. weird because is the sequel also going to be an homage or is that yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. like a fucking completely new comic booky I watched IP. It's very weird. I watched King of Comedy for the first time just this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a complete fucking ripoff of it's that. It's really, really a, It's a so on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Taxi Driver. It is just Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Yeah, it really is. Uh, like, kind of have you seen King of Comedy? I have not. It's the same story. It, is it? it? It's I haven't like, seen Taxi Driver, so maybe I should just give this like one a bloody weird show. guy who wants to be a comedian but clearly has is like mentally oh. unwell gets obsessed with a, a host on TV and tries to get on that oh, TV oh, show. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's right. the plot of both movies. It's, it's oh. really, like, really obviously oh. inspired by it. Okay, right. To the point where... It wouldn't pass Turn It In filters? No. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So, like... And, it's like, like it's, I liked Joker, but I hadn't seen the original. And I feel like if you've yeah. seen the originals, you, you would be watching it just being like, this is crazy that they yeah, did okay. this. It was just Todd Phillips wanting just to do to his own version of Like if Joker came out in 1980, yeah. people would be like, "What the, <laughs> what the fuck, bro?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would se- it would seem like a studio was like, "Oh, that did well. Make one of those." Yeah, you know. Insane. Um. So yeah, I don't. So but uh, so that in of itself, like I feel like we, uh, you know, as like Western audiences, we're familiar with the idea of ripping something off. But what we're not really very familiar with is the idea of then making a direct sequel to that huge ripoff. I, that I, I can't really I mean, wrap my head around. I can. I, mean, I, I, I get that completely. Do I don't. I don't. <laughs> I mean, they'll just do a. Sing- no King of Comedy two. It's just yeah, but they. So can what still, are they going to do with it? Well, I, I feel like p- most of what the ripoff with with Joker was like ripping off the aesthetic. And then no, like, it was the story. <laughs> I suppose the story as well, but like the, you just talked about how they ripped yeah, off the story. But like, it's I. I can see how they wouldn't come up with a new Joker story. You know well, what I, I guess mean? That's what, that, I guess that's my point, is that they're going to have to come up with a new story I for the second one. I don't think that's very difficult. So why the <laughs> fuck couldn't they come up with a new story for the first one? It's a great question. Thank you. It's a great question. <laughs> but it's not like, I'm not like, I can't wrap my head that's around it. That's the first time he's ever said that to me. <laughs> the last time too. Oh, yeah. And thank Christ I was and recording. Not only that, he will forget he said that. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. I never said you. No. What do you fuck, idiot? I'll play it back to him and be like, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Trump take me, bitch. I'll, de- I'll <laughs> yeah. deny it all the way to That's court. Obviously, <laughs> obviously a deep fake. Obviously a deep fake. There are hundreds of hours of my voice online. You can easily make an AI voice of that. That's true, actually. Yeah. 
No, we crossed all keeps. It's fucked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do it intentionally. I interrupt you so you can't copy my protecting, voice. Protecting my boy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's protecting no. me. <laughs> Fuck if you're ever getting your hands on my my golden radio voice. Um, all right, are we done for the news, Be boys? Like, so this week I recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep clearing my throat. I'm actually constantly emitting a low level hiss at varying frequencies to make sure that you can't do anything with my voice. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, right. I've found out how to how to like sing a sine wave constantly <laughs> while I'm talking at the same time. Right, well, coming out of news, don't you have to do this the noise backwards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> go on. <laughs> I thought about it for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you thought about it for a second. <laughs> Saki, you, you, you got any more news stories? Oh, no, no, no. List? I used okay. the best ones. We're, 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 we're newsed up. Great. Okay. Cool. Uh, so next segment is beef for pleasure. We got music for that. So we'll just. I've never been part of the music before. I'm so happy to hear there the music. Go. It's gonna be good stuff. I feel like I'm part of the music. Yeah, and you get oh. to listen yeah. to it right now. Okay. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. What do you think of the music? It's just as good as every other time. Yeah, just as good as yeah. listening back to yeah. it on the episode. That's right. I feel like I'm in an airport right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Oh, I, fuck! I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell you. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I'm in an airport right now. <laughs> and then yeah. I'm getting padded because I can't wait to fucking leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm uncomfortable. I'm sweating. I've eaten shit food. It's I'm taking too tired. long to go anywhere. Someone charged me twenty dollars for a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting that back. <laughs> All right, uh, this week uh, we're doing the same thing we do every week <laughs> on this segment of the you program. No one could replace him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where we um every every every. every, every Every week, we spend a decent portion of the show talking about the agreed movie of the program. That's right. The democratically watch, elected film. Right. We watch <laughs> <laughs> the film elected by 45% of the podcast, <laughs> but we have a weird uh, electoral college thing. <laughs> Andrew gets more votes. Yeah. I get less votes. Gerrymandering garbage. <laughs> Does the guest get any votes? No. The guest actually <laughs> gets 15 no, votes. You're, you're, getting, you're getting deported by ICE. That's <laughs> You're not even legally yeah, constitutionally yeah. a guest. We don't even have to treat you according to UNHCR resolutions. You're just an inhabitant of the room. <laughs> what? We just left that mic on and you're sitting there. You're not a guest. That'd be fucking insane as a prank to get half an hour into a fake podcast. Just like, oh no, we're not recording yeah. this. Send them home. You just like this. Right. So we're recording this. And then after yes. I leave, you're like, all right, now we can fucking start the podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Get him out of here. Imagine. No, I'm going to hang around. we got some stuff to chat about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told you we were going to keep recording. I said we got some stuff to chat about. Yeah, yeah. that'd be yeah. funny. Anyway, uh, this is the bit where we talk about other shit we've watched this week. Uh, oh, fuck, I actually have stuff too. I've got fuck, some stuff I'm as so well. Unprepared. Can I go first? Yes. All right, so 
First thing uh, that I that I watched that I wanted to talk about was something I watched a, a little while ago now. So I'm not going to be able to talk about it in as much detail as I'd like to. Uh, I suppose I just wanted to say I watched Licorice Pizza finally, mm. Paul Thomas Anderson movie, and it is a fucking banger of a movie. It's a god awful small affair to the girl with the mousy hair. I met the girl I'm Mary one day. But her mommy is yelling no, and her daddy has told her to go. Listen, young lady. But her friend is nowhere to be seen. So how'd you become such a hot shot actor? I'm a showman. That's what I'm meant to do. To the seat with the clearest view. And she's hooked to the silver screen. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beaches. Barbara Streisand? No, like Streisand. Sand. But the film is a sad thing. This is fate that brought us here. But she's lived it ten times or more. Our roads took us here. She could spit in the eyes of fools. You're not my director. They ask her to focus Do you really want to see my boobs? Can I touch them? See you tomorrow. I think it's weird to hang out with Gary and his friends all the time. <laughs> I think it's weird that I hang out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends all the time. I'm not gonna forget you. Just like you're not gonna forget me. Cross. Very might nice. be uh, one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. It's set in the 70s in LA. So, surprise, surprise. Uh, but it's about this kid who's like 15. He's played by Paul. Uh, he's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Okay. Uh, which I suppose is only relevant because Philip Seymour Hoffman's worked with Paul Thomas Anderson yep. before. Sure. Um, Makes sense. This 15 year old kid is in high school, but he sort of feels like he's a, an old soul and he falls in love with this. Uh, like she's like she's supposed to be like twenty three or twenty five or something. Alana Haim is like the photographer taking the school pictures, and the story is basically just their kind of romance where she's like, "No, dude, we you're fucking fifteen, no, uh, but we can still be friends." And then it's sort of them dipping in and out of like a will they, won't they kind of kind of thing, which isn't as weird as it sounds. I feel like I've had a lot of people watch this film. I've seen them write reviews and talk about how like it's. It's like endorsing this twenty-five-year-old on fifteen romance. I think it's it's well, very clearly when like you, when you have something in a movie, you are endorsing that thing, and I think that that's true <laughs> regardless of what you're talking about. And and so that's why I think that anyone that's ever showed anyone being killed in a film should be locked in prison. Right, right. And so I'm a fucking idiot. Right. So it's not. It's obviously not like this is bad, but it's like. Uh, I think I think yeah, it Paul I think Thomas it handles Anderson it having nuance in his filmmaking. Yeah. I think it handles it really nicely, and it's really interesting to watch this kid who like feels very mature in some ways, and then uh, handles himself very immaturely and very sort of like jealously and like a child in other ways. Mm, sure, uh, in like a very relatable coming of age. Teenage it is. So it is kind, kind of a coming of, way. of age story. Yeah, definitely. Is it the first PTA coming of age story? Boogie Nights isn't really. Uh, I thought it sort of is. Kind of right. Yeah. Um, 
I think I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I suppose so. He, I suppose thinking Certainly about a lot like of his a films, boy kind he, of thing. he has a common trope, I suppose, in a lot of his films where he's got like a boyish kind of character. Like, they're like I'm thinking like Punch Drunk Love. Adam Sandler's character has a bit of like a lack of maturity. He kind okay. of has to get through. Uh, and in There Will Be Blood. Uh, no, nah, There Will Be Blood mm. is like not really. That's I'm just thinking about Paul Dano's of. character. Uh, yeah, but I'm he's a bit like naive. And, yeah, okay. In, in any case, this movie's awesome. It's got a great 70s soundtrack. The aesthetic is beautiful. It's funny as all hell. Might be the funniest Paul Thomas Anderson right, movie okay, I've seen. Right, okay, that's interesting. Um, and I just think it's great. I think uh, There Will Be Blood is the funniest Paul Thomas Anderson <clears> film. <throat> <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen either I'm, of those? I No. I ha- Wait, There Will Be Blood I have seen. Yes, I have seen. That okay. is not a coming-of-age film. But not like What about the movie I'm talking about? That is definitely a coming-of-age film. I have not seen that. What got mm-hmm. the Oscar for best film? I'm having a fucking um, this year? stroke over here. Yeah, I, I was like, No Man Land, No Man Land. I don't that. remember. What the fuck no, one? Uh, was it the one about the deaf family? Yes, yeah, Coda. Coda. Oh, yeah. You haven't seen Coda, have you? No, oh, I, I was going to ask, what I have you, seen, I was gonna ask if you'd give Licorice Pizza the Oscar for best film. It's great. I fucking which love is it. It was awesome. your personal award for That's best right. film. That's right. I really liked it. Um, something I thought was really interesting in it, <coughs> tackling that age gap thing was the idea that like Alana Haim doesn't seem like she's the most like popular girl in in her life. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? She doesn't see. She seems like a bit of a wallflower, and so she's very clearly conflicted in the film. About like on the one hand, it's fucking awesome to have someone like. Obsessing, that's over, obsessing you. over you that's got the hots for you yeah, that's like sure. pining for you that's sick and so we on the one hand that. she's like this is sick I gotta keep this kid around monkey's poor curls they're 15 <laughs> right but it's like on the other hand he's 15 and the <laughs> idea that he's like he's he's like a weird entrepreneur and he like starts like an arcade and like a mattress a business a entrepreneur if you will <laughs> he's like yeah he has all these weird businesses even though he's 15 like he starts like there's a whole side plot in the movie where he's this 15 year old kid selling waterbeds <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's sick And so um, It's a, it's a bit Coen Brothers-y In the way that the plot Just sort of goes all mm, over the place For yeah. so fucking long And there's no point It's very mundane Yeah and I think it reminds me A lot of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood In that way Nice okay. Where it's a similar kind of Vibey piece I would say if you like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood But you wish there was more like 20-something on teen action <laughs> This is the movie for you Right cool I think it's fucking sick Which and I, I think, think that if I recall correctly There wasn't a small amount of In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Yeah Yeah right Implied Brad Pitt stuff yeah, yeah. yeah If you yeah. wish they didn't cut away From the foot stuff This <laughs> is the movie for you um, you wish they had foot stuff In this you PTA Mark film was actually 15 <laughs> 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 uh, All righty I, I touched on it before I watched King of Comedy uh, mm. And I liked it It was good Mm-hmm. Uh, That's an early Martin Scorsese film. I feel like I Robert De Niro in yeah, the lead role. I feel like I liked the aesthetic of Taxi Driver so much that this film kind of let me down a bit. Like I feel like it was a good character piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't, I, I couldn't help but watch King Con- King of Comedy and be like, ah, oh, am I the Robert <laughs> De Niro character? <laughs> <laughs> did you start to say King Kong? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I did. The King of Kong. Am I a giant gorilla? <laughs> <laughs> the king of comedy. Why is this monkey so funny? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, why this monkey got a gun? <laughs> <laughs> it was a sick fucking movie, but I just, I just feel like I've seen uh, Scorsese movies with like a cooler aesthetic. Sure. And so he was very much still finding his feet back then, I think. Oh, 1980. 1982. Okay. He's got a bit of yeah, I guess I'm thinking of Taxi Driver, which was earlier, right? Uh, Taxi Driver was 76. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, maybe a King of Comedy is the one where they kidnap the host. Yeah. It's it's like Spoilers this Ed Sullivan, an film or Ed Sullivan kind of character <laughs> that he wants. He's desperate to get on the show. So right. He, like, yeah. Kid, kidnaps him. And so something him. that was, yeah, I liked the because so we were 
just talking about Joker, obviously, like the difference, one of the differences that I noticed was that the kind of supporting um, female role, I can't remember who plays it in King of Comedy, um, is really not really present at all in She's like a side character. Oh, in Joker. Yeah, it's kind of completely absent. So when I went back and watched King of Comedy, I was like, oh, there's this really interesting other yeah. like, supporting she's character. She's also not in it very much. I can't recall a female character. She's like, Joker, she's like, like, oh, in Joker. Yeah. yeah no, there remember. isn't really one. So yeah, it's kind like, of in the, in the adaptation, it just got missed. Got lost, but I watched right. the adaptation first. So going back, I was like, adaptation. where the fuck is this? Well, it kind of, it just is. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, anyway, the Licorice Pizza fucking rules. And if you yeah. haven't seen it, cool. definitely watch it. It's on my list. Favorite of uh, Oscar nominee list that I have, so I'll be watching. Mm, that's right. Sure. Uh, you, I, where did you to, watch it? I had to rent it, but it's like five dollars wow. if you rent did it you on YouTube. Blockbuster? I don't did you go like to Blockbuster? I, Is that uh, what you mean? I don't feel like I rented. I feel like I streamed it. Whatever. This is a crisis for me to have off the air. But yeah, fucking ripper of a movie. Uh, it was, was so much fun to watch. Low. It was really funny. Uh, how about you, Zach? What you watch? Me? Oh, right in the middle. Wow. Well, <clears throat> I've got a list, but obviously I've been restricted to the list. Andrew, what did you watch? Oh. <laughs> no, I can keep He's talking. The orchestra's playing him out. <laughs> I've been walked out the door, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so I had a few things I wanted to mention. The, the things that I'm excited to mention that I will talk about a little bit more I actually um, are, are actually either an old film or a TV show because the two films I've seen recently that are great, you've both already talked about, and I don't want to... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here, let's, let's see if we can guess. So, Oh, here we fucking go. Top Gun? Yeah. What would you think? Oh, well, Top Gun 2. Top Gun 2? Excuse me. Top Gun Maverick. Uh, you can top... Fuck yourself. All right. <laughs> okay. And what's what's another movie that we've seen recently? Top yourself would have worked. <laughs> I don't know. And I freaked out. Like everything. I said, I need to read "Be Funny" on my script and do it more. Obviously, <laughs> no, that was good. I like that. Thank you. And all right. <laughs> so uh, Top Gun. We, we yes, we have talked about, but yeah. I did want to say though. I, quick um, thoughts. What Top Gun. Top Gun One. You thought Top Gun One was derivative and like oh like might have been derivative and just sort of taking the vibe. I watched Top Gun One hours before walking into Top Gun Two. They are different films. Do you completely think? different okay. in tone? The stakes are completely. Like you don't even know what the stakes are in the first film. It's not clear why anyone's doing anything. And then an hour and a half in, a major character dies, and it's a grieving story for half an hour. Then they fight some Serbian like enemies for ten minutes, and the credits roll. It's a weird film. Take my breath away. Comes up three times in this film. It's Serbian a strange like. film. That's Everyone like I can't say Croatian. Everyone is shit. so sweaty in this film because yeah. they're using glycerol, it's and they're just so wet, sweaty. Such a wet. It's movie. a strange film. And we walked into Top Gun Two, totally different. It's like a straight, narrow action film. Where you know what the stakes are the whole way through. It's mm. doing the same thing the whole way. And weirdly, it's just as wet as Top Gun One. No, <laughs> it's not. It's really it's dry. It's really dry. Yeah. It's That's so right. dry. Yeah. We talked about this. So the I just wanted to correct you both to say they're actually weirdly different um mm. and uh also well, tony scott is like has a very strong directing voice and i'm not really sure that top gun maverick had the same sort of like mm. unique identity mm. it had an orchestral version of highway to the danger zone like it did some stuff that was pretty cool that I, that, that gave it some identity to <laughs> no, me no i don't i think that's sorry no i, I think, think that's a different shit they slightly changed the theme song that changing a theme song to be an orchestral version is like peak current modern day trailer like I guess every so. trailer has an orchestral version. But of I watched it with people who 80s. didn't even know that's what it was. Like it was yeah. done in a subtle way where like like my partner picked up on it. I didn't pick up on it. Someone else picked up on it. I was mm. like, oh, it is. Like sure. they tried to give it some stuff that was interesting. Um, I thought okay, go ahead, babe. yeah, yeah. No, I can't talk about it. For, I've already gone like seven lines over one line, but I just wanted to correct you on that. Fine. Also, I watched Jurassic World um, three, yep. which um you you were talking about some lines being cheesy and not that great in Top Gun Maverick. You spoiled boys. Go and watch Jurassic World three. Really? Fucking terrible movie. Wait, 
I have a film that, that starts bad it starts movie. four times it's two and a half hours long you don't care about anyone nothing makes sense it's an embarrassingly bad movie that makes you it, it insults your intelligence actively as you watch it <laughs> it's hey. You're an idiot. <laughs> I hated this movie so much. I couldn't come up with something better than that. I was keen to see Neil and Dern and Goldblum all on screen together. And then they did shit that was annoying. So I actually didn't I was, like these characters. I was like, who the fuck is Neil? Sam, baby, yeah. Sam. I was so annoyed. Like, yeah, it was a, it was a shit film. I, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really surprised. And actually, I think the, the first two, like... I really can't, I'm, I can't remember the first two to be perfectly like the, I mean the the, new, the first two Jurassic Worlds the first yeah, two yeah, worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one of them was okay and one of them first was kind of bad. First one's all right. Second right. one is and just I remember weird. not loving either of them. Yep. But I also do, right. But but when they would like, hey, we're bringing back everybody. Oh, I was like, this is going to be fucking terrible. Yeah. Oh, because see, it has nothing else. Some t- and yeah, they right. need the names. I know. Yeah. I know. To sell the because sometimes tickets. nostalgia's been done well. Like in the Spider-Man film that came out, they just wrote a good plot and it happened to involve old actors and characters. Whereas <laughs> this was <laughs> some dudes like, guys, I got a great script, but I fucked up. There's three Spider-Men in it. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, like there's an emotional arc. Like the plot could stand on its own it two feet if those writing, characters yeah. were different sure. characters. It hey, just... Steven, we got we got three Spider-Men, right? It's three. <laughs> you understand my point? Like, they didn't have to cast the old. Like, that's not the whole point. Yeah. Wasn't to put the nostalgia on the pedestal. It's just it was we- weaved into this, woven into the story. <laughs> in an interest. Don't laugh at me. Say, <laughs> no, an I'm still laughing way. at my thing. Oh, fuck. It, was, <laughs> it was a web. Whereas uh-huh. this was literally just. What if we got yeah, these sure. people back and yeah. it sucked? Anyway, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is one of my favorite films of all time. Yep. As Crazy. I was watching That's it, I was actively thinking this is my favorite film. I was having such a good time. If you enjoy having fun or laughing, watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. If you enjoy having fun or laughing, listen to our episode first, up until the spoiler tag, <laughs> then go watch the movie, then yep. come back and finish the episode. Um, I also watched Spiderhead, which is also from Jesu- uh, Joseph... Kaczynski, who's the Top Gun Maverick director. Yes. Net neutral experience. Okay. Some good stuff in there and then some really boring stuff. Five out of yeah, ten. Right. Don't really bother with it. I did, you think. Any, uh, did you watch any good shit recently? Hang on. I also watched Lightyear. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's an okay Disney film. If you want to watch something that's a little bit Inception inspired and it's got some cool graphics and it's Pixar, go and watch it. Um, but, you know, it's all right. Um, I watched the Matthew Riley Interceptor film. You guys will hate that. Do not watch that film. Yeah, I I read one Matthew <laughs> Riley book because he was so famous, and I thought, why the fuck is this guy famous? Mm. It was a book for dumb people. I know. We've got to. I'll tell you what we got to do. We got to cut in the full length trailer between every single one of those. <laughs> That's <things>. right. That's <laughs> why I'm rattling them off. I'm trying to give you a challenge. No, we're not no, no. I've Matthew, saved. This is my. This is. Uh, let me ruin something for you in films and in books. And Matthew Riley did this. You do this every week, He's brother. such a fucking dumbass. <laughs> did I tell you about this at the time? Oh. So there's a bit in this Matthew Riley book where there's all these fucking SAS soldiers and mm. they're infiltrating an ICE station. I think that was the name yeah, of the book. That's the name of the book. Right, yeah. cool. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Not you, <laughs> Matthew Riley. Childhood memory of mine is loving this book, so I'm going to... Well, I'm sorry to tell book. you, but it really sucks a lot of When ass. did you read it? Last year. Last year. That's right. Fuck last did you year. Read <laughs> yeah, well, because Matthew Riley is so fucking famous that I was like, oh, I'll read a Matthew Riley book. And I didn't know anything about him other than he was famous. He writes books for 14 year olds. No, he writes books <laughs> that adults read that chart best selling regularly. Yeah. Right. I don't so, know. So, anyway. He does. He did this thing which pissed me off so much, and like this is a very minute thing because the whole story. This is Andrew's review so of Matthew art. Riley's Ice Station. If you're wearing night vision goggles, you're looking at a screen. It means if a flashbang goes off, you can't blind yourself through a screen, 
dummy. It's just the uh. max brightness of the screen, which is not very bright. So it doesn't fucking do anything. So if you're wearing night vision goggles <laughs> a and a flashbang time. grenade goes this, off, this you're actually protected from the flashbang no because else, you were wearing goggles. This is a goggles. bad time to mention. I thought that that's what happens if you wear night vision goggles. Uh, and I didn't realize yes. it's because I've read Night's uh, Eye Station. That's, and that's right. the only He's reason I think that's misinformation. <laughs> He's fucking an entire He's generation state, of potential military, <laughs> military men. That's right. Yeah. 28 year old man complaining about flashbang night vision goggles. In I the literally book he read hated for 14 him for it. I was reading, that was the moment, that was a straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, this is a bad book written by a dumb guy. Yeah, yeah. And then I read that and I was like, even he doesn't know what he's fucking yeah. talking about. And, and then I know he'd be like, it's a story. It's yeah. fine. I well, don't need look, to be real. One thing I will say from my childhood memories of Matthew Riley is he crafts books that could be turned into high budget action films. Awful so if there's a director that, films, that yeah. should d- get money to try and make action films, I want him to do it because he's wanted to do it for 20 years. They give money to fucking anyone now. So right, I just, but then they gave him money and it was a They didn't film. give him much though. Like he had a low budget. <laughs> like that's why How the film is kind of not that good. No, 200 thousand I think what like, no, no, no I'm making that up but it was it was, <laughs> it was, it was a lower amount it was like a million or What's something making like that. Matthew Riley because ice cream a commercial lot of the, a lot of, I didn't want to talk about this from this a lot of this plot takes place in one room and it's because they were restricted by the budget right. they only have like four or five characters because they had Again, like five grand yeah <laughs> <laughs> my point is I want it to do well I like Riley I just want him to make movies because everyone makes movies now. I think anyway, we should deport him here we go so um, I've, I've what's got, the best thing you watched no, this week no no <laughs> <laughs> I also watched Predator, it's great stuff, but I'm not going to talk about that because you've both already talked about that. The two films I did want to talk about and the, the make pred- you put the Predator in the remake recently. No, 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 the original Predator. Right, so is this the first? That's called Predators. Oh, sorry. So this is the first trailer you're getting. Yes, that's okay. right. Say, the, the, say, the, say the name saved, of the movie. I have saved the two best things for, with to have trailers. Say the name for. of the movie now. So I actually went back and watched the original Jurassic Park. To Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. This is a feeling all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! No! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Okay, and you uh, first time viewing? No, absolutely not. And I was okay. so happy I journeyed back to the Park Boys because it's fucking good shit. It's that really film stands up. It is so good. What's mm. your what's what's the, your favorite thing about the movie that you've maybe forgotten and you reminded of it when you watched it? The acting, like just how charismatically <laughs> charming. Fuckers never seen a movie before. Oh, you fuck! Come on, no, <laughs> the performances, like, right? Yeah, the performances are great from everyone, not just Neil. Uh, so Sam Neil, sorry, just so you know. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern, but even like. Um, like Attenborough's brother is the, the old billionaire guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Richard, Richard Attenborough's. Attenborough. David Attenborough's David Attenborough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and like he's great. Like they're all just so good. And also the practical <laughs> effects before they sunk into all the CGI sort of stuff. It just means every time you see like Samuel a dinosaur, it feels great. Film, he does yeah, great. he just shows up. He says the famous line, hold on to your butts. There's so many Who's lines the that, that come from the, this film. Uh, 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 
Um, it's um, it's the magic well, he, word. it's uh, his last name's Knight. I've forgotten his first name though. Yeah. He's from uh, Seinfeld. Michael Knight, maybe. Oh, the guy that plays uh, Dennis Nedry. Right. Yeah. Um, the hacker. The he pro- gives the one of the most like memorable on-screen performances that anyone has the ever. The guy that plays Newman yeah. in Seinfeld. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. There's so many moments in this film that's just fucking great, and I had a great time rewatching it. <laughs> and I think everyone should go back and watch it again because it's good yeah. shit. And I had to fucking then go into Jurassic World three and have all of my memories of these yeah, actors you squashed by a big fucking pile of shit. Have you got a Wayne Knight film? Have you got a favorite? <laughs> Did you say Wayne Knight? <laughs> Wayne Knight. <laughs> Are you gonna say, that's his legacy, by the way. Is you said his fucking name, and I was like, no, 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 no. It's uh, Newman. Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> yes, no, I said Michael Knight, but Wayne, Wayne Knight. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But you're right. Every performance in that movie is nearly perfect. I What's think. your favorite scene in the movie? Have you got like a favorite sequence or like a fucking mm, good question? Actually, uh, um, my favorite scene in the movie. God damn, that is hard. It's probably when the T Rex comes out for the first time because they're doing mm. things like the dinosaur is <laughs> moving the cars around and shit in a way where like. I kind of don't really know how they made some of it in 93. <laughs> it's, it is, it's actually a masterpiece for its time. Yeah. yeah sure. Like looking back, like sure, if they made it now, I wouldn't give a fuck. But like looking back at it, like in the time, I actually don't know how they made some of the scenes that they made. It was, well, they would, I remember watching a doco on this. Like oh, yeah. there was, they were using some of the visual effects technology, like as it was being invented. Yeah. Um, so th- they were fusing the practical effects that Spielberg was so familiar with from things like Jaws mm. uh, with so much of the like, c- when I say cutting edge, like invented for this film, visual effects tech. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it looks so fucking good is because yeah. he was already doing the balancing of practical and visual effects. When he says that, he means that they were like gluing the computer guy into the T-Rex. That's right, yeah. They they were, no, they sorry, were using brother. the machine from the fly to mix the VFX dude with an actual T-Rex. Um, it also has really good writing. And I didn't realize this until Michael I looked it up. Crichton. Michael Crichton wrote the screenplay, right. the guy who wrote the book. That's right. More he like Michael Wrighton. Oh, very good. My- what's he what's he writing? <laughs> you might want to leave this what's space station, man. <laughs> he's writing Jurassic Park. He's right. Okay. Oh, he's going to be writing my will With pretty the fucking soon. Book or the or the screenplay? Both well. actually. He's writing both. No, yeah, okay, it's, cool. it's not very well known. Oh, Zach already said that. Oh. I wish I wish I heard myself say it. Anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. And it means you get like, you know, when like a film has like lots of little details. Did you make the joke? The Michael Wrighton joke? Here, here we go. Because <laughs> anyway. I said Michael Wrighton, not Michael Crichton. Like mine was a word. Mine was a, mine was a play on his name. Kill me. Did you say that? Oh, oh fuck. I wish Zach, I did you uh, say it? Fuck. Yes. Yes, I did said Did you? It. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to check the play by play. Yeah. Can we? Can, can we, we go? Can we stop the break? I don't think he said it. Can we go to the bird's eye? Sorry. Place? What was the second fucking movie you watched? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, my point is, it's just very well written. Uh, the last thing yes, I want to mention right. is actually not a movie. Michael so sorry about that because you stole the good mo- movie. So I have to talk about a TV show. Great. I'm mm. watching Stranger Things Volume 4, <laughs> which also has great trailer music. I know you're frightened. You're terribly frightened by what you've seen. But I'm not going to lie to you. Your friends are not prepared for this fight. Hawkins will fall. My friends need me. You're not ready. He's not going to stop. Not until he's taken everyone. Let's do it. 
this terrible feeling. It might not work out for us this time. Um, it's fucking great. Oh man, I watched this just last. I finished it last night. Oh, I haven't seen the, the last the volume two stuff. So shut, oh, up, okay, shut, up, shut up, shut up. It's <laughs> fucking great so far. I know yeah. it's some of the best like writing and TV production I think I've ever seen. They're oh, doing really? some crazy stuff where season three was like very, yeah, very season three and season, season three two was and sick. season two and three for me. I was lukewarm. I, I wasn't yeah, keen no, on them. I, and now I, four I has totally it. brought me back. It's better than season one. It's got sometimes up to what, seven. Really? up to seven competing plot lines that are all compelling, all really interesting, all contribute to the pot, uh, plot, sorry, and all come together at the end and actually make a really satisfying sort of whole. That's what I've heard. I haven't finished it, obviously, but I know okay. where it's going. And like, it's so compelling. They've also done a thing where they've said like, oh, people need 45 minutes. Nah, they've thrown that shit out the window. The shortest episode is an hour five. Most of them are an hour 20. They're like movies, That's right. right. Yeah, the, final, the final episode's two and a half hours That's long. right. And I don't have any kind of problem with that. That's good though. It means yeah. they're like, we're going to make a lot of good shit and we don't yeah. care if and people it means, want it to be It means that like it's as long as we want it to be to That's get the right. content as long as it needs to be right. Yeah. And so it's I think amazing. for me the biggest sign is, is that the episodes vary wildly. Yeah. yeah. It's not that they go for longer. They're like this they needs say, to happen. That's in this how long it needs yeah. to happen. Yeah. I think I think you gotta revisit if, I suppose if you didn't like it you didn't like it but I think season three is my favorite I didn't season. not like it I just felt like it didn't have an end in sight yeah. and it was slowly drifting downhill yeah. and I thought season three was fine I'm not interested in season four. Yep. The pacing was out for me on three. Yeah, totally. The, yep. the episode where L goes to Boston is season two. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever, where L goes to that city and has that weird like producer's sons written episode. Yeah, that's season sure. two. Fine. Season three yeah, is the one awful. with the Russians in the mall. I watched all of it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, I love that. I, season I had so the much. same thought with season three. Man. I that's why three was, I, was I think three was better than two. Two really felt like I lost its yeah. way. Yeah, but yeah. I was still kind of cold, and I just thought I don't yeah. need any more of this. Yeah, give enough. season four. You will like yeah, season yeah. four. Yeah. I'm watching it and actively thinking I want to write as well as this show is written. It is so well, compelling and so cool, and it just looks great, and it's a compelling story. The acting is amazing. There's some characters who play. Characters that show up for one episode and they're great actors. It's amazing mm. to me that they are just not in the rest of it. So, mm. yeah, it's very cool. Strongly suggest okay. that you check it out and then cool. anyone listening checks cool. it out. Mm. If they haven't already, I mean, most and people have They've said that the last episode, the la- the next season is going to be the, the, last final, season. the final season. Yeah. And well, they're apparently going to do me. a, yeah, and they're apparently going to do a time jump. Uh, which is good because it's Finn Wolfhard is like seven feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. It's good stuff. Anyway, that's yeah. All. No, that was yeah, a good. Call. I don't think I like for me show. it doesn't. They don't need. To, it doesn't need to be about the kids. It's about what's happening to the to the world. So mm. like, yeah, I get that they had the coming of age shit. Yeah. I, I've stopped giving a fuck about that. Yeah. I don't care. Let's get rid of that. Yeah, oh no, it's it's good now because there were there were kids before. And now they get into like teenagers where they properly care about the relationships with yeah. each other. Before like mm. the kids are like quite selfish. 
and you yeah. can quite you can see that in the way that they're written. But yeah, yeah, I understand that, but I'm, I guess I'm saying I don't need that to stay that way. So yeah. if they if yeah. they age and at the pace at which actors age while they're filming, I'll be yeah. fine with that. And it also moves away from that stuff, like the current mm. season. It's a bit of a murder mystery plot for the, and they're just part of it. So well, yeah, because that was the thing that was so compelling about season one is it was like a supernatural horror thriller kind of plot, and then yeah. season two was like some bullshit like Riverdale drama. It's yeah. like I don't fucking care about any of these characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then it totally moves away from. Yeah, that. you you have telekinesis. Stop talking about your fucking boyfriend. <laughs> I don't care. I yeah, really yeah. am fixated on the telekinesis. Thing. Do you know what I mean? I'm fixated on the portal to hell. I wish I could move this plot with I my mind. I know it's important Play to me. you. Yeah, very good. Very All right, okay, we sure. haven't done you. you. Have you got like a uh, you got a thing to talk about? I, I have definitely one thing that I'd like to talk about. I'll mention a couple of things really quickly. I went <laughs> ramped like. up pretty quickly. <laughs> well, I watched. I had a similar experience to, to to both of you. I think where I've watched. I watched a movie that's an old movie, but it was like, oh, this is maybe one of my favorite films. And that was Dog Day Afternoon. You know something, people? You're going to be remembered the rest of your lives for the day you got held up and kidnapped. At approximately 3 p.m. on August 22, 1972, Sonny Wurzik and Sal Naturale entered the first Brooklyn Savings Bank and attempted a robbery. Nobody move! Get over there! The attempt failed. There's no money here. They picked it up this afternoon. There's only 1100 This is too much. It's for you. What? The police arrived. This is Detective Sergeant Eugene Moretti. What are you doing in there? For the people of the neighborhood, it was a sideshow. Sonny! Sonny! But for Sonny and Sal, the hostages, and the cops, it was a dog day afternoon. It's all a whim. Rob a bank. I had a plan. I had it planned. WNEW plays all the hits. Will you keep away from this bank or we're going to start throwing bodies out the front door one at a time? I'm a Catholic and I don't want to hurt anybody, understand? How about letting the people out of the bank? I dare keep me alive. I'm going to let him out. Sir, can you tell me what the situation is? All right, who, who has to go to the bathroom? Oh, honey, come on out! Yeah! It's just a freak show to them anyway. The most you're going to get is five years. You get out in one year, huh? Kiss me. I mean, I don't know about that guy out there. We did it. Al Pacino. Dog Day Afternoon. A true story. Directed by Sidney Lumet uh, and filmed in... I can't fucking remember. Um, hmm? 1970 something. Fuck, it's not on my letterbox. There we go. Hang on, sorry. I'm just finding it, just finding it, just finding it. 1975. 75. It's a performance. It's love, a love the man trying to stall by giving me no edit point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. I just, I just talk constantly. Like Al Pacino robbing a bank. Um, how about that for an edit point? Fuck. Rob, robbing you of podcast potential, baby. Robbing you of airtime. So, okay, uh, it's directed by Sidney Lumet, who is the same guy that did Twelve Angry Men, which I talked about, really loving, and is on like every top two hundred and fifty list ever. I think Dog Day Afternoon is also on most top 250 lists. It's a very good film. So it was 1975. <laughs> Al Pacino stars in the lead role along with John Cazale as um, a th- uh, there's a third character that disappears quite early in the film, but it's a, a, a three-slash-two-person crew that decide to rob a small bank. And right. long story short, every fucking thing that possibly goes wrong, or that possibly can go wrong, goes wrong. And there's like you know there's heaps of employees in the bank that you slowly get to know over the course of the film 
Um, some of them are more like adversarial. Some of them are, are friendly by the end of it or whatever. Um, it's the funniest heist movie I've ever seen. Is it all set in the bank? It's basically? mostly set in the bank. Yeah, That's exactly. Cool. Um, and the way that it it just so it's one it's a perfect movie for just dropping you in it and explaining itself later on. That's great. It develops what like you don't know why Al Pacino's doing it. At first, it's not like that because you get none of the plan. What's he trying to get out of this bank robbery? It's actually huge because it's a heist movie with n- the plan is not in the movie. Oh. They just start when they're well, walking in the door of the bank. That's kind of what Ocean's Eleven does, and that's what's the most compelling bit about Ocean's Eleven sure. because it's sort of you watch the plan as. So I'm saying it's a it's a good way of doing it, right? But it's not doing any of the narration shit. It's yeah. it's your it, it's almost in real time. Right. So you watch Al walk in the front door of the bank as it starts. It basically. sounds like the opposite of an Ocean's film. Yeah, there's no it explanation. There's no well, no, because in Ocean's Eleven, he's explaining it as it happens. Whereas this is no explanation at all. You just watch. But also, it that's happen. that's kind of that 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 happens in the Ocean's movies. Some part into the film, so yeah. you've kind of got time with the characters. You learn their relationships. I blah what you're blah saying. blah. Yeah. This is like a stage play, and Sidney Lumet came from a stage, a theatrical oh. background, and Twelve Angry Men was initially a play. Have you seen so, Twelve Angry Men? I haven't. Oh, I have, but I was too young. I need to go back. Right. And yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. sick. But, but yeah. honestly, like, watch this instead. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> that rules. Me be like, watch this. And you're like, no, no, watch Fuck this. Fuck that. Watch this. Um, it's just a. Fucking fantastic film. One of my favorite performances ever given by Al Pacino, reinforcing to me that he's, he's one, one of your my guys. guys. Um, he's one of my guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really love it. Uh, like I said, it's it's very funny. It's incredibly sweet. Um, there's some stellar uh, character actors in this film. Um, I don't really know how to sell it properly. Is other it funny? It's really fucking funny because the it's the stuff the stuff that goes wrong is like very realistic stuff that would happen where he's like trying to so the first thing that happens is like the delivery driver sorry delivery driver the um, escape driver is like hey actually man sorry I'm really freaked out by this I'm just gonna go (laughs) (laughs) and and because Al Pacino's character isn't like a hard ass or like some psychopath he's like fuck. That, okay man yeah that's fine and then the guy tries to leave he's like stop give me the keys for the car we need the car and the, <laughs> and the, the driver's like well what am I supposed to do <laughs> he's like I don't fucking know man just give me the keys <laughs> so it's like him trying desperately to helm this ship it sounds like a Coen brothers kind of it, yeah it's got that type of tone to it um and, you know, it's like he's trying to lock everyone in the bank vault and then it's a bunch of women and they're like, what if we need to go to the toilet? And he's like, who needs to go to the toilet? And there's like a, <laughs> there's like a couple of them and so he's like, oh, Yeah, no, this okay, rules. Like, one at a time. We're gonna, and, and he's like trying. So people are like, people are asking him for no, things. No, this rules. It's so good. People are asking him for things and he's too obliging. <laughs> so he he's giving people what they want and um yeah, yeah I, I won't that's probably like the th- the first act and so like it obviously um escalates. police start to get involved it escalates yeah. and but it never stops being that kind of um that really grounded personal film you feel sorry for this guy for having to deal with all this bullshit because he's so fucking nice <laughs> like all the time it's like a bank robber but he's really nice right it's played by Al Pacino like so young it's, I don't watch it's that. It beautiful good. I don't watch it one of my favourite films ever um, it's currently in the, the four films that are listed on my letterboxed 
profile. Ah. So it's, it's in my top four at the moment. I love it. Um, just really quickly, I also watched Palm Springs for the first time. Pretty funny movie. Um, I kind of missed it when it came out. I will uh, say, listeners, I actually just looked at his letterbox and it's not on the list of his top No, <laughs> you were looking at my recent activity. Uh, sorry, Palm Springs. How Idiot. good is this movie? Good um, movie. Yeah, m- directed by Max Barbacow. I think Oscar talked about it when it first came out. It's yeah, not it something I'd seen. So yeah, um, yeah, it was it was good. I gave it like sort of three and a half, four stars. Um, funny comedy movie. Really good twist on the Groundhog Day type thing. Uh, yeah, Adam Sandler gives a really good performance in it. <laughs> I always get her name wrong. Christine. <laughs> what, Kristen, what about uh, what Kristen about Kristen Miliotti? Uh, gives what about a great the? Did you in it. did you? I thought you were joking. Adam Andy Samberg. <laughs> did I say Adam Sandler? Yeah. yeah so you did it on purpose. No, Andy Andy Samberg. Adam Sandler is unfortunately not in this film. No. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. Hey. Uh, Andy Samberg is a great lead performance. Kristen Miliotti. Uh, I hadn't really seen her. She's almost a co-star. Like, yeah. I, I think Andy Samberg is probably the protagonist, but only just. So um, Kristen like has a lot of weight on her shoulders to carry with the performance. What are you that trying she to say? Gives. And I think she does a really fantastic job of it. And I'd not seen her in really anything, but also this is like a difficult comedy yeah. performance. She really yeah, has it's good to she's, she's most have you seen it? I have. She's most famous for being the mother in How I, in met, How I met Your Mother. Your mother. Exactly. Right. So I'd seen her in some things here and there, but she's often just playing a small bit part. I know. Um, whereas this was a lot. Oh, yeah. It, it hasn't updated. Whatever. Yeah. Oscar's right. It's not in my top five. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but I'm going to replace. The film I watched called Duel, which I talked about on the podcast with that one. So, yeah, that's, uh, that'll do me. Right. Uh, listeners are probably two hours in now because they've listened to about 15 trailers. <laughs> so very, dili- very, very careful of which ones we picked there, I think. But, you know, that, that's been from some pleasure. Uh, we're going to hit into the main picture of the program. This is going to be yeah. interesting. Elvis Presley himself. That's right. We're featuring Elvis Presley. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Um, Yeah, here we go. So, uh, we uh, listen to the trailer and then come back and uh, talk about the movie. Are you ready to fly? I'm ready. Ready to fly. Tomorrow, all of America will be talking about Elvis Presley. I can't move, I can't sing. Some people want to put me in jail. Well's moving. They might put me in jail for walking across the street, but you're a famous white boy. Tragedy, but it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with us. told me when things are too dangerous to say, sing. I'm on before the show, and nobody's gonna remember me. I need to get back to who I really am. And who are you, Oz? making the most of this thing while I can. This can all be over in a flash. We are the same, you and I. We are two odd, lonely children reaching for eternity. 
greatest show on earth. Elvis has left the building. All right, Elvis, that was the trailer. I'm sure you got a little bit of Viva, Viva Las Vegas or something there. Um, so uh, this is a movie we all just came back from watching it very recently. Andrew watched it, I think, about 24 hours ago. Oh, yeah. He's had enough time for the white hot rage to, to boil down. Yeah. Um, this is great because I was so keen to do three other great films with you boys and here I am for this one. It's going to be an interesting time. That's right. So... Um, the movie is directed by Baz Luhrmann. If you don't know Baz Luhrmann, he did Australia. He did Great Gatsby. He's Romeo done and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. So he's famous for this very like people call it like a maximalist style, and it's lots. Yeah, of some people call it that. Very <laughs> extravagant, uh, often very extravagant sets, and like very fast editing, and lots of like. Uh, cuts that jump all around the place and mm. uh, all sorts of crazy shit the camera's doing. Um, I think I think that's most present in probably like a Great Gatsby. If you've seen Great Gatsby, you I get his seen vibe. That actually, it's like yeah. a very extra okay. way of making a movie. Um, what do we think of this movie, Andrew? Shut up. Zach, what did you think of this movie? Oh, no, I don't want to go first. I, I didn't hate it. That's I've, The problem is that letterboxes are things. And, and for once, you boys have written some words. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Zach I was like, oh, no, you've been compelled to write stuff. So what did you think? Look, I thought, is it a good film? No, I don't think so. There's some Didn't things that are actively bad in this film. I wrote, yeah, I know. I, I wrote a review that's actually pretty scary. I'm not going to read it off. I just have it for cues and stuff. But the, the editing's frenetic and insane. It tries to be like an Adam McKay fucking fever dream that you can't really follow and know what's going on. There's strange narrative choices. These are sounding like attributes of a 7 out of 10 movie. It's very, yeah, it's a very strange sort of experience. But I found Austin Butler's performance and my love of Elvis and the interesting moments they chose to show me that I did not know about Elvis entertain to me enough that I worked yeah. out giving it yeah three and a half out of five. Like, I think I think that's a good question to ask because that's that's very very similar to how I feel in terms of like the Austin Butler performance carrying me through the film a bit. I fucking love Elvis. I feel like I, I feel like Elvis is one of those artists who doesn't he's not like an album guy. I'm an album guy for the most part. I feel like Elvis is from that period where they would just crank out shit and be like He's doing four albums a year or whatever. So, like, I've listened to, like, heaps and heaps and heaps of compilations of, like, mm. best tracks. Mm. So, I would say that, like... Well, bit of I'm, f- not, I'm not the biggest Elvis fan, but I like Elvis and I like reading oh, about Elvis. Okay. Do, you, do you like Elvis? <clears throat> I love Elvis, yeah. Do you like Elvis? I don't care. Yeah. Okay, great. I don't mind Elvis. I like most of the songs I've ever heard of his. Right. But I'm not an Elvis But you're not, like, fan. you're not going to put on... I've never put on an Elvis track. Right, yeah. okay. So, I liked the movie. I feel like I'm... No, I didn't like the movie. I yeah. hated this movie. I was, was going to say, I don't know why you said it. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I got, I got stuck. Zach tricked me. <laughs> I, I, I really did not like this movie. Yeah. But the bits that I, I, I... There were bits of the movie that I... Or I was actively loving it. And that was whenever he was on stage... At doing yeah, his you want to go to an Elvis concert, right? And that's because I like Elvis. Yeah, and so so what I will say is that Austin Butler's performance—he's not just like oh, thank you very much. Like he—he's like he's doing Elvis yeah. as close I, as I've ever seen anyone do. I Elvis. read that he had mapped out Elvis's voice across his life, and then yeah. on the day, and obviously films are shot out of order; they can't start filming in 1955, obviously. Yeah. But um, he's 
picking what Elvis's voice sounded like at different periods and of time. And you can hear him do and it. And doing that voice. Like yeah. he became Elvis for two years to the point where when they were on the road doing the interviews, he couldn't get out of the southern <laughs> accent. <laughs> People are talking about this. Yeah, and yeah. he just kept being Elvis. Like yeah. it's really cool the level of depth and detail he went into to try and be this character. And I found out he sang about half the music apparently. I was trying to figure it out. He sang anything where Elvis is on a stage singing in front of an audience. And he sang. And not in Vegas, I think. Because I think when, yeah. they hit, when they hit Vegas, they start to blend Elvis together to, yeah. and it ends with just Elvis singing. Yeah. Which is wild to me that he just sang Elvis. Like Andrew, I'm leaving you to last because I already no, know what I, you're no, going to say. I completely <laughs> agree with, with um, is it Austin Butler? That's yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just checking because I've gotten approximately uh, 80% of the names I've said so far in this episode <laughs> incorrect. So I don't know if that's made it through in the edit or not. But yeah. if it has, I've been really fucking on one today. Um, but yes, Austin Butler. I think he is literally the best thing about this whole film. Mm. I think yeah. it's an amazing lead performance. He's in every fucking shot too. Like right, he's it's just well, he's on Elvis. It's, it's, <laughs> this, this movie... That's the least insightful thing you could have said about the man playing I feel Elvis. Like people, I feel like people often say like the movie lives or dies on the performance of the lead character or yeah. whatever. But this movie truly yeah. lived or died on whether or not yeah. he like, could do yeah. a, basically a good impression. Um, but and I feel like also it's not just a good impression. Yeah. He really is very... Uh, th- when you see him on screen, he's very... Eff- like, he's emotionally affecting. I think he's there's something in his eyes. He's really giving a fucking performance of a lifetime. Yeah. Here. yeah. I well, haven't really seen this guy in anything I else, think he's right? like a Disney Channel dude. Right. Like, mm. So, he, I think this is his first big thing. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, he's in, like, The Dead Don't Die. He, he's now been cast in Dune Part 2. Oh, I really? Most, so, Interesting. Yeah. So, his performance isn't like the he was Elvis in one impression. In Hollywood. I think oh. he was on the ranch. Yeah, right. His performance isn't the Elvis impression that people think of. Like his performance is a lot more subtle. It's not cartoonish for yeah. a single second. Yeah. It is so naturalistic that also like because I feel like Elvis was when he's on stage, he's like a bit of a character, but not really that much of a character. Like you know, he wasn't hamming. It didn't, or at least I don't know what I picked up on this film. This is I don't know he that much about Elvis. He wasn't hamming it up too much. Yeah. You know how like you talked about before like Bob Dylan for example as a yeah. as a as a media personality like he didn't always sing the way he does famously. He didn't always talk in interviews the way he does famously. That sort of was something he developed over the course of his career. Yeah. It doesn't really seem like with Elvis that's too much the case. I think he's definitely very provocative on stage in the way that right. he does his dancing and he just like doesn't give a fuck what anyone's Thinking yeah, when he's exactly. on stage. But it seemed like he was fighting to be authentic. He's like the ultimate showman. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And even if he was fighting to be authentically performative, mm. he was fighting to be authentic. How much fucking fun is it watching this dude dance? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Holy his physicality shit. of his performance is really, like really good. Tips his whole body forward and is like leaning back on his toes. Yeah, yeah. yeah is yeah. the coolest fucking move. Like, God, what I'd give to be able to dance <laughs> like this dude. I watched an interview where he was like I they were like, uh, how did you like learn to dance like that? And he, his answer was basically like, I practiced for a year and a half straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he I got Priscilla's blessing to play the character. I found out, right? Um, Elvis's yeah. ex, yeah, ex-wife. He got, mm. he got the blessing from her, and she was like, "Yes, you can yeah. be the king," <laughs> <laughs> which is so, pretty fucking. Crazy. I know. Yeah. yeah, there's one of those videos. that's like a GQ. Like, oh, these are my ten things I can't live without. Mm. And he's whipping out all these things that are like, oh, this is my like field notes journal, and this is my like he, he look he I fucking love this guy this this guy comes across as the most thoughtful 
he, he comes across as a bit of a hipster LA kind of guy, but in the sure. most earnest way possible. Right, where sure. he's like, oh, these are my boots and I just love them. I feel like he could almost be like Nick Cage, where it's like it, it he comes really across, gives a fuck. It comes across like that. like And people are going to make fun of him for how much he gives a fuck. Yeah, like every single one of his answers is like, come on, bro. But he he's actually like that. So yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. oh, these are my boots and I got them in a, a shop, uh, this like thrift store and they just fit me perfectly. And this yeah, is my Leica yeah. camera and I just like the way the film looks. And, and then his third thing was like, oh, this is my guitar. Priscilla Presley gave it to me. It's the actual guitar that Elvis played on the comeback special. <laughs> right. Like, Just yeah. this mad flex. That's out worth of like, like uh, however many million. Like a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you hated this movie. I did. I thought it fucking sucked a lot of ass. Yeah, I thought me it too. sucked dick from the back and... <laughs> It, that's the best place to suck dick too. <laughs> no, yeah. the worst place. That's if be you're going to suck it's dick. It's one of the worst places to start. I'll tell you that. <laughs> if you're going to suck dick, you're going to start right at the front. Yeah, yeah. Big shout um, out to my dad who's suck listening. Sucking ass from the top. <laughs> it really, uh, I thought it... Sucking ass from the top. I, I think it... Uh, it's I, like kissing I, a girl with halitosis. <laughs> <laughs> Inshallah, that does not make it into the final edit. <laughs> Um, I hate Baz Luhrmann. I hate him. I hate him. You mean personally, but you like his movies? Both. <laughs> Great. I hate both. I think he's <laughs> an insufferable shithead yeah. on and off screen. I watched- and I hate his style. I hate his style. It's so There's annoying. not many directors mm. that I hate the work of. Like-, like, I truly watch most Baz Luhrmann films and think, I don't know particularly what it is about this, but I know I don't like it. And this Within was the first like two minutes so of this egregious. movie, there's like six different tiles of six different camera shots, all in different aspect ratios, all playing at the same time. And I thought, fuck, I wish I was here with Andrew. Maximalism- I wanted to watch him like oh boil. <laughs> Maximalism is is the excuse that he's using to avoid telling a fucking story mm. properly. There's a scene I like hate it. early on in this movie where it shows him like as a kid in the 50s and then it cuts to like him in the 70s, then back to the 60s. And back to the kid at the fifties, and back yep. to the seventies, and it's almost like it's, it's because drawing the line between the three time periods. But it's like they, it's like he couldn't be fucked to write it properly. Yeah, so exactly. he's like, oh, I'll only, I'll show you that scene when you need to when it becomes relevant. Yeah, you know, it's yep. like it's like he doesn't trust you to remember what's happening in the movie. Right. So he'll be like, oh God, I like comic books, and then it'll show you like him reading a comic book as a kid, and it'll yep. show you him remembering how much he liked comic books in the seventies, and then back to the sixties, being like, yeah, I sure do love comic books. Like, yeah. Fuck this movie sucked. It it treats its audience with like I don't think it's even an intentional kind of contempt. It's like it doesn't know how else to tell a story than to be so like obvious on the nose. I felt like the script was fucking the most shallow retelling. So okay, we should start sorry, we should give this more context. I fucking hated this movie. Yeah. But what it's doing is Rather than be a direct, normal biopic in the standard format that a biopic does, it, it, it follows this bizarro producer character played by Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. So Colonel Tom Parker. Colonel yeah. Tom Parker was, was Elvis's actual producer. Yeah, in real and in, life. Yeah. In real life. Oh, actual manager, sorry. And in real life, there is a bit of controversy around how much he took advantage of Elvis and how much he had Elvis's best interests at heart. 
Like the film does show him as having a gambling problem and yeah. stringing Elvis on, doing lots and lots of shows for free to pay off his own gambling debts. And it starts that off shit with happened. like an opening mm. crawl about, and and it starts off with an opening crawl and an opening monologue from Tom Hanks's character, which was the first fucking red flag. If you have a crawl and a monologue, anyway, mm. I read something from Tom Parker's biographer who like wrote his biography, and apparently it's a little bit complicated where he arguably did do some good moves, and this mm. movie. Really, just does villainize him. That's another thing. I I read that same interview where this this biographer, Mm. the interview was like, "Did this happen?" And she's like, "No." Did this happen? No. There's so much shit in this movie that just did not happen. And the biographer is like, "I guess Baz was just." Thought it would be cooler to show it the other way. One of the things yeah. is that this Tom Hanks character has this crazy yeah. fucking Dutch accent. Um, yeah. I'll see if we can right. cut it in. It's like, it, so it, yeah, there's, it'll there's be in like, the trailer. There's Tom Hanks doing this crazy Dutch accent, which we'll cut in at some point, hopefully. We are the same, you and I. We are two odd, lonely children reaching for eternity. And then you can actually find footage of uh, the actual Parker. character the speaking. Who From grew Kentucky up in fried chicken? Or he grew up in the Netherlands and then moved to America when he was young. Yeah, and in real life, he has like a almost very normal sounding Southern American accent with a slight twang. So I did my part. Elvis did his show, and we were lucky. Great talent, and we had a great show and a lot of fun. We are two odd, lonely children reaching for eternity. Yeah, because he tried to appropriate the, the kind yeah. of language when But in came. this movie, Tom Hanks is like, Hello, I am shit. It's literally I am like, it's, 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 like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's like gold member. And it apparently so Baz told him, I want you to sound otherworldly and shit. So Yeah, yeah. it's like, I want it you was to a sound creative thing. Yeah. Other, other-y. And it's like, just be Dutch. Yeah. Like, just put on a racist Dutch accent. It's like you never would have. Yeah, exactly. Like how yeah. is this film doing anti-Dutch racism? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Anyway. Um, Tom so Hanks' character in this movie is the most... Ins- so he he's telling this frame narrative. It's Tom Hanks on his deathbed telling the story of how he brought Elvis to stardom. Yeah. And it just intercuts every now and then him slowly dying or yeah. like wa- wandering through Which did the happen, halls of actually. The he spent 20 years of his life after Presley died just wandering through casinos, dumping his... <laughs> Talking his straight huge, into a camera. <laughs> shoving all of his fortune that he'd like ripped off the Presleys in like the, the, the lawsuits machines, that happened. Yeah. He just fucking like just put it all in the casinos, which is actually... Really fucking it's sad. It's it king is really shit. sad. And yeah. so this movie could have been something like Scorsese's The Irishman, where it like shows. Sorry, Oscar. So you wouldn't have any fucking idea what. Yeah, I'm no. About. I'll just, I'll, I'll just tune out. Dumb yeah. fuck. Unlike, unlike you, I spent last year watching all of The Irishman. Hell yeah, my man. So like, um, what it could have done was show like a decline of a like a dying beast, you know, like a decline of of legacy and a decline and, and a fall from. Grace and a fall from greatness, or even like a complicated character that was like, I I was doing, I was trying to do what was best. I had a grand vision, and no one else could see it. And actually, the doubting is what brought me down. But it doesn't do any of that shit. It's just a pathetic dude on his deathbed recounting how he exploited one of the most famous artists in the world. Yeah, with like this like cotton candy kind of like I thought I was doing the right thing but other people will tell you otherwise nerd shit how annoying is it how Baz has learnt like two carny words and goes back to those two carny words for two and a half hours like oh it's a snowball or whatever and like snowman or something yeah Yeah, oh I'm the snowman I spent the film not knowing what that meant (laughs) oh my god it's so annoying I spent the film not caring (gasps) sure same thing to me it it was uh, I think it's I feel like 
that's an interesting choice that he fucked up every step of the way. Yeah. Because um, telling that story, like, yeah, that is a really unique twist on a normal biopic. I don't know. There have probably been a billion Elvis biopics. I haven't seen a single one of them. Frankly, I think this film actually would have been more interesting if it had lent into Austin Butler as the lead and showed yeah. more of You're saying you're saying the Elvis movie would have been interesting if you'd learnt more about Elvis in the movie? Yeah, I mean This movie doesn't teach you a single thing about, about Elvis, Elvis, the human being. The one thing that everything everyone has seen is Elvis on stage. And the one thing this movie shows you is Elvis on stage. Mm. You don't see Elvis in the studio. You don't see Elvis yeah, like writing. Elvis didn't write songs, but you don't see Elvis like working with musicians. I was wondering if musicians. he wrote any of his songs because they showed a didn't. lot of how he took his songs. From he did. Like, I think mostly that, covers. I think yeah, famously, okay. Elvis would often get a writing credit on. Did songs. he write his own music? No. So Elvis oh, okay. would record other people's songs, but that was a that's a big thing that came to prominence in the '60s, and that was one of the reasons why Take a Shot, Lennon and McCartney were big heralded artists because they were guys that. Wrote their own, wrote and recorded their own songs. In the fifties, right. that wasn't the thing. Like oh. Frank Sinatra was a singer, and they got people like locked in a windowless room writing <laughs> songs. Similarly, right. Elvis was a singer, and they were like, "No, the singers don't write the songs. The singers are the singers, and we get the guys who can write the songs to write the songs." And so that was never. They was like never the two shall meet kind of thing. So. But but Elvis would often get a 50% writing credit or some sort of writing credit because they'd be like, Elvis will record your song and you'll make shitloads of money, but you have to give Elvis a writing credit. Right. So I think there are often songs where it's like written by Elvis, but he didn't write the songs. But my point is, you don't see Elvis doing the musician shit at all. I thought the most interesting bit in the movie was one, on uh, backstage with a comeback special yeah. where he's like writing... Uh, the protest song. He, He's writing If I Can Dream yeah. in the middle of the night with the musicians on the piano. Two, the, like, the group huddle right before they go on stage on the Louisiana Hayride mm. where they're like having that, like the psyching themselves up and have a little with band family, meeting. Yeah. yeah, I thought those bits were so interesting and I thought the rest of the movie was such a missed opportunity that it didn't tell you anything about this, like the, the human being. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what I would have done differently because... I but think you're probably right, but at the end of the day, what what I hated the most about it was mm. what wouldn't have been solved by those things, which was still the the editing and the cinematographic choices. Yeah, felt so like this movie to me. I I feel like I'm accidentally dismissing your point, but actually I'm no, saying no. like I agree with all of that. I just think that even if he if it had been exactly the same, but the story had been different, or that like even if it hadn't been the frame narrative with Tom Hanks's character, yeah, um, the way that it was edited, the way that it was assembled, and the approach that it took to the storytelling, I guess, yeah, was still so devoid of any actual substance in favor of the pure style of the thing that it is still um, vapid, yeah. So it's much vapid. So much of this movie was an insane choice. I think thinking thinking off the top of my head, I, I think that and this will watch this be better. <laughs> I think that um, one of the most interesting things about Elvis's story is the fact that t- uh, Colonel Tom Parker is he wasn't uh, Colonel Tom Parker. He was this random Dutch guy who mm. illegally immigrated into America in like the twenties or the thirties, and the reason why he didn't want Elvis to ever tour internationally is because he was worried he wouldn't be let back in if he ever did. Yeah. And but, so but I people think have, he felt people have admitted to. even that theory is a little bit shaky because he could have just not gone. 
Yeah, but yeah. he wanted, but maybe so then. You, so then you have to write in this element of him being a control freak. Yeah, yeah. and, and him wanting a cut of all the money. Mm. Elvis right. going, "Why am I paying you for a six week international tour mm. if you're not even coming on the yeah. tour?" Which it did have in it, but like for a, a one or two. Sentences. I think that's. I think they should have showed Colonel Tom Parker coming into America in the 30s, mm. and then shows him like lying. To, like, he, he can be the fir- the main character for five minutes, and then it shows him just lying to Elvis. Mm. And now we know like he's lying to him straight away. We know he's lying to right. him, and you could like watch that like boil and like it's like we know and Elvis doesn't know that he's being fucking lied to and manipulated the whole time whereas what we have now is this guy being like yeah and I I think part of the so I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this act too but for me it's actually quite interesting because I think one thing that that keeps getting brought up which again we were repeatedly told and not shown was is like oh yeah but the colonel is he's a smart guy he's a really smart guy he makes very good strategic decisions about this kind of stuff so if yeah you're right so if he's getting you to do something there's a reason for it right yeah and then that that then gets subverted into well if there's if he's getting you to do something and you don't understand why it's because he's got a different reason for it that he's not telling you which it turns yeah. out to be is this passport nationality thing it's so heavy heavy handed the is. way they play that but that's an interesting dynamic the idea yeah. that. Yes, he's exploiting you. Yes, he is doing so because he's also got his own right. personal reasons. But he's also very good and clever at what he does. That's a great anti-hero or like uh, kind of uh, what's the word like false mentor. But Tom Tom Hanks plays him like a clown. He's so fucking but, cartoonish. But you want to see Tom Parker be like competent as. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. You want to see yeah. him be competent as hell for like eighty percent of the movie, and then questionable for twenty percent. But there's so many shots or scenes in this film that are, um, uh, the Colonel being like um, the Colonel, sorry, Colonel Tom Parker, Tom <laughs> Hanks' character, being like, okay, so we're gonna do X, right? We're gonna do X, and Elvis yeah. is like. You want me to do X? And he's like, yes, we're going to do X because X is good. X is what we should do. X is good, right? And then Elvis goes to himself quietly, well, I'm going to do Z. <laughs> and then he does Z and we get like three minutes of screen time of Tom Hanks looking concerned as Elvis does Z. It's like, mm. that's not interesting. I don't, I, no. I get that he had, I don't understand why it was so important that he did X and not Z. And it yeah. seems like Z because was you the never, right you, thing you to do. Because you never see Tom Parker make the right call. Exactly. You always see him being this bumbling buffoon insisting on like why they didn't do his so dumb idea. So he only ever seems like he's holding Elvis back. Yeah. Whereas in actual fact, it sounds like, and I'm reading between the lines here, yeah. he was actually... Also, he was holding, he was propelling him as far as he could while still holding him back, which yeah. is much more interesting. Yeah, but he's not in this film. Yeah, no. Mm. So I don't know. Did the did, <laughs> for me, I think I'm keen to hear what you think about like the way that the film was assembled too, because we talked a lot about the storyline and the characterization yeah, and that type of stuff. Personally, pa- for me, the the editing was fucking insufferable. The pacing of this is all over the place as well, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's like, we'll spend like half an hour and he's going to be this age and I'm like, uh, we'll go through the 60s all in about two minutes. Here we go. All right, we're done with the 60s now. (laughs) I thought it was so interesting how they were like, oh yeah, Colonel Tom Parker is this great manager. He'll make you famous. And it goes from like the Louisiana Hayride to uh, like one show to stadiums to Graceland. And then you don't see any of this big like rise in fame. You don't... 
it's it's like Elvis. It's like the, Elvis is the best-selling, most profitable, most popular solo entertainer of all time. Which it says at the end of the film. You don't see that at any point in this movie, do you? You see him it's play in gold like, text at the end of the film. Yeah, but it's my point is though, you don't see that in this movie. You see like him play at one hall, no, you and then s- you just see fifteen hundred women getting horny. <laughs> but my point is, you don't really see his rise to fame. You don't see him like living in poverty, and then like. Being overwhelmed no, by it shows his him fortune, because he's around like twenty black people. <laughs> My point is, you don't see him. You don't. I, I don't feel like I believed his rise to fame. Mm. In a because it was like he went from a town, a school hall, to click. Ten years later, he 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 has Graceland, right? And it's like uh, this. It, it feels like he got paid. What? It's it's like what? Did he get paid all that money from this one gig? Like it doesn't feel yeah, like he's being know. overwhelmed by this. Is the most famous man on the planet. It doesn't feel like that. Well, I don't know. Zach, what do you think? Like, does that resound? Because you seem to be a lot uh, less cold on this film. Yeah, I don't know. Movie. Like, I, I didn't love it either. I'm not coming in to bat for it. But um, sure. I didn't... Like, I started off actively not enjoying it. But then the more I watched it, I realized... And I haven't seen many of the other biopics either. I haven't seen mm. Rocket Man. I haven't seen uh, the Rami Malek one. Yeah, I haven't seen that. This is probably one of the... <sighs> I haven't seen many biopics at all. I to think. Be honest. I think if you. I think if you thought this was fine, you'll think the others are just fine as well. well that's I what think, I. That's what I'm expecting. I think in this broad band, if you have like a, if you thought this was fine for a start, you're an idiot. But, woo! <laughs> 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 but if yeah, you thought this him. was fine, there'll there'll be a very broad band of just fine biopics, yeah. and they all fit in there. So in the idea that it doesn't tell a human or relatable story, nor does it even sort of pay tribute to his music. No, um, I agree. Uh, I don't think it does. In fact, it features covers and songs that are distinctly not Elvis. Why is there a and a strange right? There's a scene. Doja Cat. There's a scene where Elvis yeah, is on Beale Street in uh, classic Baz Luhrmann. Memphis, I didn't know what that was. Yeah, where it's like, oh, I learned it from the the uh, if Beale Street could talk movies. I googled it, but it's like it was apparently like the birthplace of American blues music. Beale it's Street. Like, yeah, it's like one of the one of the places where it has the deepest roots in like Black American music culture. Uh, and it's it, Elvis is supposed to have this very deep tie to like American blues and uh, like black R and B music, and he gets to Beale Street, and it's this beautiful cityscape of 1950s Memphis, and they play a fucking Doja Cat song. Yeah, like why? I, I did hate all of that. It's because not the time or the, the place. Problem with it was, and I said this to you in the cinema, was it yeah. was like they were like, all right, so we've got all these scenes of um, of Austin Butler singing and Elvis playing. Now let's put a soundtrack in. Let's get some music in this mm. baby. And all of a sudden, there's no moment of silence at all in this film. They have I don't access. Think so. I don't think so. Because here's what I see that exactly as. And I fucking hated Romeo plus Juliet when I it came out. I haven't seen it. In the script, so he, he adapts the script of Romeo and Juliet somewhat, but not the language that they use at all, right? Yeah. And so when characters in the script are talking about their sword from Shakespearean times... The characters on the uh, in, in the, the movie pull out a fucking gun, and it's like I feel like he thinks he's making some clever statement about look, this is what the modern day equivalent yeah, of this the, is. The clear gun, I've seen the seen it on posters. Right, but in I feel like him 
having a Doja Cat song play when Beale Street comes up is him doing the exact same shit. He's like, oh, he's just like Doja Cat this is, is like modern, modern black day American music. Of this shit. Yeah, and it he and it's like he's he's like letting you make the statement in your own head without actually having to make the fucking statement because yeah. there isn't actually a statement because yeah. you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. He's you just, just like, put something old with something new. He's just like Doja Cat's black too. <laughs> well, I don't <laughs> like, even know if that's what it is because it could have been a fucking Madonna track. And I think it would have been saying just as much. Yeah, yeah. You know I what can, I mean? I it's, can, just, it's just a, like echronicity. And he thinks it's meaningful because he's displacing that Anachronistic. Era. Let me tell you about the Star Trek posters Wee. that don't belong in the time that they take place in, mate. That's uh, ridiculous. Really? <laughs> yeah, I saw a whole they're, thing a year, they're a year too early. That's oh, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, my... my <laughs> The least of this film's fucking problems. See, this whole oh, mine. Th- this whole film for me felt so disingenuous, <laughs> particularly because the one of the main sort of plot points of Elvis's career is the fact that he's this, he's the world's most profitable artist and he's been taken for a ride. Like you can he's, look at he's him in and a say golden cage. Yeah, that's it, what they you, say. You can look at him and say, yeah, he has this mansion. But it's like, no, no, no. He's the world's most profitable artist, mm. and he's giving fifty percent of his profits to this motherfucker who's lying to him and keeping him on drugs so that he can be on stage to support his managers. Gamble. Like Elvis is f- famously exploited. Yeah, it showed and enough of that that I was interested. Like, right, that's the interesting bit. How fucking crazy is it that in this movie where they're like, "Oh, isn't it fucked up that this this guy is exploited?" The whole movie is just razzle dazzle without any interest in him as a human being. This movie is exploiting him. This movie is just like, "Oh, look at Elvis dance. Listen to Viva Las Vegas again, you pig." And then like, yeah, the movie doesn't give a fuck about his like creativity or his passion for music. It shows him like listening to Little Richard once and being like, "Oh, I want to dance like that." It's and like then it shows Friends him with like, BB King. "It's so stupid. Mm. It's it's the stupidest fucking movie." <laughs> It's the most disrespectful, fucking disingenuous hack job movie that is like, oh, I just want to make money. There's an there's a, there's an interview where Baz Luhrmann's like, oh, I just wanted to take a trip through the 50s, 60s, and 70s America, and Elvis is a good vehicle for that. It's like, no, fuck you, dude. Like, there's yeah. been like five Elvis movies already. If you want to make another Elvis movie. Have a decent crack at it. If you want to make a 50s period American piece, fuck off and do what well, it... But here's the impossible Ugh. thing, is you would be asking Baz Luhrmann to write meaningfully good fiction, and he can't fucking do that, because he <laughs> actually can't tell a story. You were right. All he can do is do is show you... He do, he, he, Baz Luhrmann is, is uh, making a $250 million before and after photo, mm. and asking you to feel sad about that. How's this? I watched an interview with Baz Luhrmann where he said he had all access at Graceland for two years. He had an office... In Graceland, cool. Where he was on location researching Elvis for two years. Where's all that research? Well, yeah. Where is all of that? I'm sure. Oh, you learned that Elvis did shows it in Las Vegas and wore jumpsuits. I reckon it's in the production design because, like, a lot oh, of the, the visual texture of this film feels perfect, right? And like, I think the production design, like, I, I said that Austin Butler's performance was the only. Good he thing wears about this film. ninety costumes. Yeah, I think the production so designers of this film, and honestly, like, the, to be honest, the crew of yeah. this film, all of the yeah. crew of this film, deserve mad props because it, it did look great. Do you know Tom Hanks' makeup? artist not just in this film but in a lot of Tom Hanks films was also Elvis's makeup artist in Elvis's film career that rules that's yeah. really cool Elvis is wearing a fat suit the whole time <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah oh. I don't know I think Baz Luhrmann seems like the most disrespectful 
wasteful person to me. There was an interview with Austin Butler where he was like, oh yeah, I was asked to come to a screen test and I prepared um, three songs for the screen test and I was going to wear this con- this costume for the screen test. And then they Which had all these sets. Which you can already sets. hear he's doing so right. much work. And we had all these sets, yeah, like 18 months a of A screen prep. test usually comes after you've gotten a callback from auditions. I think so I- he must have had... Successful right. auditions, for and that, he he said like they had they built sets for the screen test, and he arrived there on the day for the screen test, and Baz Luhrmann was like, no, 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 fuck that, we'll just do something else. No, no, don't worry about that. Uh, well, I want you to do these different songs. We'll teach mm. you the songs, and then we'll do that. It's like, why would you do that? It's just a, it's a complete waste of everyone's time. It's not it's not charming. It's not like oh, it's improv, and we're all flying by the seat of our pants. It's just fucking disrespectful. Yeah, and it's the same thing. Th- Taco they was, is the exact same, <laughs> by the way. They were talking about. Um, in another interview about how um, how he had all this access to Graceland and he was saying like, oh, the, the, the Presley family really liked it, uh, the movie, and so they invited us to come to a barbecue at Graceland. Right. And they went into the house and the actress was apparently like ex- uh, exclaiming to Baz about how accurate this specific room in the house, the jungle room in Graceland. They were like, oh, we filmed this whole sequence in the jungle room on a set on the back lot. There's back lot somewhere that looks right. exactly like this set. So you, you, your your production designers fucking nailed it. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, so we, we did do that, but we uh, we didn't end up using that sequence in the film. So we, we just cut that. So mm. it's like, there's been hundreds and hundreds of hours recreating entire rooms in Elvis's fucking house that he already had access to, again, somewhere else, and he didn't even need it. And he yeah. was like, and he said well, the thing, oh yeah, in the edit, it just doesn't make sense to have that sequence in it. So I go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> that well, I can cutting understand. shots is not that crazy, yeah, to be honest. Exactly. And also, they wouldn't be able to film in Graceland because they would have to knock walls down. So <laughs> yeah. that's a terrible example. I've agreed with a lot of what you said, but fuck that example. That was I was bad. Just, <laughs> I was looking for way, looking for reasons to hate it, but I, I think, was just like, what the what the fuck? I think part of what the, I think what that's indicative to for me is a lack of, and maybe this is just how it gets when a film gets that big. I've never worked on a stuff. A lack of planning. Right. And and it, and it does smack arrogance. of creatives getting godlike mm. management levels, exactly. right? Where they don't know what takes anything yeah. to do, but right. they have the creative ability and they don't know to, what to they click their fingers and want yeah. anything. He yeah. said he does 50% of his writing in the, in the script and 50% of his writing in the edit. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and like, okay, so there's a sensibility, right? If I'm interpreting what he's saying in good humor, he's saying like, you don't know how your script. There's is a lot of transformation until that can happen. Exactly the, yeah. right. But I actually don't think he's thinking about it no, that way. No, I, I think, think he's, he's like, thinking, oh, who cares? I, I can don't figure it out in the done. edit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's how it feels, certainly. Mm. And and uh, I don't know, just the way that I, uh, I feel like I can't say it any better than. Then I've kind of already articulated it, which is just that everything about this film felt so shallow and saccharine when it yeah. could have been so uh, deep and interesting. I didn't find it saccharine, man. I found it really sad, especially like at the end. Like it's just, I didn't really know about how he was trapped in fucking the International Hotel. I didn't know about how he I didn't know gorged about it to himself that to the point either. where he had yeah, a heart attack Yeah, but I would have the same stuff. emotional response reading the Wikipedia plot synopsis. I guess, I, again, like Butler's performance, like... That's, but that's, that's the thing that I think yeah. is good. I think, it's, I think it's a combination of someone telling you facts about Elvis and Butler reenacting having that. to be re- reenacted by a f- like a fantastic performing yeah actor. which yeah, again true. I think Butler is the best thing about this film but I do also think it could have been done with a much more compelling script and this yeah. would have been a fantastic movie and it just felt like he didn't he didn't I, okay this is the this is the thing that summed it up for me was he at one point 
skips forward a year in time and it's after Elvis has had his biggest. So I feel like it's just after he fires the Colonel on stage. He has like this, like on which also stage never meltdown, yeah. right? Which never apparently happened. never happened, happen, and was no. my favorite scene in the film. Right, but didn't real. happen. I don't mind. Baz Luhrmann made that up. I don't mind that he made it up because it seemed the most real. But again, I think it only seemed the most real because Austin Butler was performing so yeah. fucking well with how he did it. But then it's like he he. F- so he has this, and uh, spoiler alert for Elvis, he has this big, like, on. Uh, actually, <laughs> spoiler alert for the film, not for the real life, because as you say, <laughs> it didn't happen. Right. So he has this big public breakdown and fires him, and, that's the, and then he goes and talks to his dad, and it's the moment where his dad is like, um, basically, like, uh, Tom Parker has us by the balls. Like, he's got us in heaps of debt. We signed a contract. We actually can't do anything you have yeah. to stay or we're broke. That apparently did happen. Right, yeah. so I'm sure that did, that did happen. I'm sure yeah. that was real. But then he just goes like, one year later. Right. And and, and, it sh- and it's like depressed Elvis in a limo that's like a drug addict. He cuts through with all of the emotional development the of the descent. movie. The descent. He yeah. cuts the descent. And that's what I mean about a before and after photo. It's just nothing to it. Let's rattle it off. Here's all the stuff that this movie cuts out. Elvis is a kid through Elvis being on stage cuts out all of that development of Elvis as a kid wanting to be a musician yeah, growing up snapshot. developing a love for music cuts all of that out nope, don't um, need it. after Elvis gets on stage Elvis getting a record deal uh, and becoming uh, big to the point where he's playing like stadiums yep. cuts all of that no, out you get one concert yep. and about then from, how he's from Elvis playing stadiums to having the world's like one of the biggest fortunes in popular music and being able to buy an entire fucking ranch cuts all of that out yep. so the bit from Elvis playing a stadium to being the most profitable actor in the whole world cuts all of that out uh, and then uh, Elvis uh, becoming uh, a bit stale Spends a little bit of time on that and then spent needing to take two yeah, years. sitting on the Hollywood sign and being like, my career's in the That was so toilet. fucking funny. When Elvis Elvis sat on the Hollywood sign, I laughed out loud mm. and I was the only one in the cinema laughing. Um, Elvis like, spending two, two years. Two in this film looked horrendously green yeah. screened. There was that and the one at the end when they're in, the, they're in front of the jet. Awful. Yeah. They looked bad. It's so, really so bad. Elvis having to put his whole career on hold because he got conscripted into the army for two years. They Go skip on. through all totally of that, right. which is also the period of time where he meets his future wife, and they're like, "No, nah, we'll skip Who through cares? that. Who cares about that? Who's this been? Yeah, um, Elvis then going through the '60s and turning from uh, national rock and roll hero, king of rock and roll, into like a bit of a joke, and his mm. ca- his career's down the, the fat toilet. dude who they does sk- drugs. Oh, no, just all the 60s film stuff. Oh, I From see. like the beginning, of, from the end of the 50s to the end of the 60s, where he's just doing shit 60s movies forever. They skip all of that. Like, why? You never see him on set. No. Why are they skipping all of this stuff? They skip all the interesting shit. But somehow it's still also still two hours and 40 yeah. minutes long. Yeah. It's still really long. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a fucking long movie. Like, I don't know. Okay, so my go-to biopic, especially musical biopic, is Ray. The 2004 Have you seen film Ray? With well, I was a kid. I can't remember. Rules. Ray, right. But I've so seen it. Yeah, yeah, Ray yeah. Charles with Jamie Foxx in the lead I role. think I watched it as a kid and it fucked me up a bit as well. That's one of the, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best films I think ever made. And I also think it's one of the best biopics ever made. Yeah. And Ray Charles, for the record, had sort of a similar arc. I mean, minus the Hollywood stuff, but he also had the um, uh, born in utter poverty, yeah, mad rise to fame, a, a similar like r- roots with all of the you, you know um, 
I was trying to remember the place. Was he Louisiana as well? Uh, some Fucking sort of area of the in south. In the south, goes, right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm doing bad culture. But like uh, showing his roots, his rise to fame, his uh, mingling with drugs and his um, how his drug addiction affected his music, how his drug addiction affected his family life. Yeah. His wife in that movie is one of the most important roles in the whole fucking thing. It shows how he has affairs with like these important people to him that he ends up ruining as well. Yeah. Um, See, that's to the point where a woman he has an affair with overdoses and dies, and that really messes him up. That's one of the things that makes him check in a yeah. rehab. Like, it's it never loses sight of the human mm. that this is about. I think that's the reason why Ray is like. You're right. It's a cornerstone. It's a good touchstone for like a great biopic. Yeah. Because yeah, you get an insight into the human that you never know before. That shit where he's like mentally traumatized by his feeling drowning his brother's drowned corpse yeah. for the rest of his fucking life is harrowing and the idea that you get an insight into this in this movie about Ray Charles is great you get all this insight into his creative process and you get to see him in the studio working with musicians and like being a bit of a dick uh, and Becoming arrogant. Yeah. You see all these things about him as a human being that are really fascinating and they're mm. not the stuff that you see in the on the front page of Rolling Stone. This fucking Elvis movie they're is not just... doing that in any of the current biopics. All of them, from what I've heard, are just soundtracks yeah. with funny uh, yeah. video playing. Yeah. And this movie doesn't even have that much Elvis music. In the first <laughs> hour and a half of this movie, they play <laughs> That's Alright Mama like... Mm. Five or six times. Yeah. There are so many other early songs off those early, like, Sun Studio sessions they could have played. Like, I think they could have played Heartbreak Hotel or Blues. They didn't play Heartbreak Hotel or Blue Suede Shoes. Heartbreak Hotel like, was they, in there once. They played like, Blue Suede Shoes as well. Yeah, but they played fucking That's Alright Mama like five <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah, <laughs> Like, they could have played Hound Dog. Yeah, to be clear, like, I'm not defending the film. More than they <laughs> did. Um, I, I just feel like it was such a... They had access to the catalogue of Elvis Presley... Mm. And they, they fucking wasted it. Well, and I think that's one of the worst things about it is that, like, it's no one is ever going to have this level. Well, you know, maybe they will again in the future, but but this is the most access, the most money, and the yeah. most uh, authority anyone's ever had to execute the story of Elvis Presley. Yeah. And it just feels like a fucking carnival ride. Oh! With, yeah, yeah, but with, uh, with the same <laughs> amount of. You're going to. But with, the the same amount of, yeah. but with the same <laughs> amount of depth that a carnival ride has. I mean, that's probably yeah. the problem, right? You don't if you, if Elvis is the story of someone becoming so famous, so opulent, it it's it just a social experiment in a man that had too much money yeah. and like literally died from having too much money and being in a gilded cage. So a good Elvis film probably doesn't need as much money and as authority as this had either. <laughs> I heard a take on that. Yeah, about, might be it's right. probably a bit of it's that's why this film is kind of like this mirroring of his opulence, where it's as gorging itself as much as he did in his life. Mm. Yeah. Where it makes this weird kind of artistic interpretation and imagery that kind of like won me in a little bit. I don't think it was intentional, but I was like, oh, it's kind of like this weird impression envisioning of his like rise to fame it's dehumanized him as much as all the audience members dehumanized him and yeah. so i gave it this weird weight that i don't think it actually was trying to go for <laughs> I, I don't never I give I this movie credit i <laughs> have interpreted it that he, he that that was not intentional well, and i feel like if you go back and listen to a lot of what i've said about a lot of different directors and writers on this podcast 
I am usually a sucker for giving the benefit of the doubt about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I will usually interpret the artist's intention in a way of like, I think they were probably trying to do this. So what are you talking about specifically in this case? Like where he's mirroring the rise and fall of Elvis in the script and the way he actually depicts the character mm. of Elvis being so opulent. So he, he's, it's almost like he's giving us the journey of Elvis in the same way that the audience when Elvis was actually oh, no, alive that's not consumed that's Elvis. Not yeah. But it doesn't, but no. even if it was, <laughs> even if it is... For us to miss that so hard when I'm looking for it yeah. feels like it's not intentional. Yeah. I also haven't seen so it. I think even if it is intentional, it's failed. I haven't seen another Lerman film since like Australia. I will so say uh, Baz Lerman has made Australia. one good movie and it's Strictly Ballroom. Strictly oh, Ballroom that, is yeah. a banger of a movie. I like Great first Gatsby. Right. Okay, fine. I, liked it. I haven't seen that. I thought it was fine. I maintain. He's made one good movie and it's Strictly <laughs> Ballroom. Uh, Strictly Ballroom is his least Bazzy movie. It's his yeah. first movie. Yeah. It was probably when he was like desperate for the money and desperate to be given a shot to actually. Maybe make he was a movie. given some fucking constraints. Right? How about that? Right. I think that. Uh, yeah. I mean, there so much so about this movie is a letdown. Uh, even like, I will. I will keep this to like twenty-five words or less. Oh. The excess <laughs> with which he moves, and I'm sorry, I don't. I don't take maximalism as like a stylistic choice when you don't have a fucking reason to be maximalist. Sorry, Scorsese and Wolf of Wall Street. He's doing maximalism for a good fucking reason. Yeah. Right. Baz Luhrmann in this biopic does not have a good reason to be maximalist here's beyond the, him being a maximalist Here's the interesting director. thing. It's Elvis, famously the guy who would eat like two massive fucking subs full of an entire jar of peanut butter yeah, and jam. Sure. The dude who had diamond covered jumpsuits. The fact that you don't feel it's justified is such a miss for yeah, Baz Yeah, I don't Lerman. even know if any of that shit is true yeah. because it would also have been interesting if this biopic taught me, hey, all that stuff you thought you knew about Elvis, that's actually really overblown yeah. or it came from nowhere or it's not really true. The film, but I don't even know if it is or not. The film tells you like, oh, Elvis, you're broke. All this spending. We haven't really seen all that much. No, we really like, haven't. And so Elvis... He's I got mean, some suits. Fam famously, fucking extravagant dude. Right, He wears yeah. 90 different outfits yeah. in the movie. He has this fucking whole estate. One of the first people to put a phone in his car. Right. He's I kind of assumed that he wasn't the one buying his own suits. Do you know what I mean? Like it sort I, of, I think he sort of felt like he was put in that situation. I, I so think he much. was. That was the bit that I feel. I think he loved. He loves that showmanship stuff. That's the bit where I'm talking out of my ass. Well, but sure, like, but I don't know yeah. that. I didn't get that. And the film doesn't tell you right. that. The film doesn't tell you anything about the creative decisions he likes to make. Okay, my fa enough complaints. Well, sorry, just really quickly. What yeah. I was going to say is the the film is so restless in its editing and its uh, camera movements. The bit where it cut between three different decades in two minutes. I don't was even mean you're so talking stupid. about a, a, a layer even beyond what I'm talking about. I'm literally talking about like so shot we've to shot to shot to shot genuinely like right. the way that this this film was disorienting and i don't again i do not think this is intentional i think this is baz Luhrmann, or even if it's intentional it's a disregard for style yeah the way that it in a fuck when you're filming a conversation right so permit me to talk through this for one minute when <laughs> when, when you're filming a conversation you had 25 words 100 words ago. i know i'm sorry <laughs> when you're filming a conversation there's two people let's say you've got uh, john and jane right you want to point the camera at John and then you want to point the camera at Jane. Now, right. you, as a human being, think about watching things from the space that your body is in. So generally, the way that you will use the camera to replicate that experience is you will point the camera at Jane and you will pivot the camera to John because you are standing...
standing in the same spot when you're watching a conversation. It's like you are the camera looking at exactly. Each so as you're flicking your right. head back and forth, right? Yeah. That's why we shoot a conversation shot facing one way, shot facing the other way. Now, Baz, right? this Baz, this conversation for me, baby. He genuinely throws that in the fucking bin. <laughs> and there's 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 all sorts of rules in filmmaking that arise from that, like the 180 degree degree. rule, (laughs) right? Where you don't want to ever cross a line of 180 degrees. DP jobs though. That means he's DP fucked up. No, it doesn't because I think he is telling, or he's working with people that just don't give a shit about that. Yeah, sure. But what that actually ends up doing is you completely lose track of all space in this film. It's just pointing at stuff. It's yeah. always just pointing I d- at I d- stuff. I didn't notice that, and I but fucking I'm sure it contributes to it. I hated it, dude. Yeah. It's, he just doesn't care about the... And like I, I like not caring about the basics of stuff, yeah. but, it feels like he's not, <laughs> but it feels like he's not caring about it because he's learned what he can do that goes beyond that. He's just got a reckless disregard for why that kind of shit is important. Yeah. And it, it's so off-putting that I was 10 minutes in this film and I already thought, not trying... I really hate this. I got yeah. I got a hot take for you suspicious minds, my friends. Ooh, sure. So, <laughs> I honestly think you're in the film so much that you saw all the mistakes, you hated it. You're in the I music so much, you saw all the writing problems and you fucking hated it. Yeah. I'm a guppy motherfucker right in the middle <laughs> that gave it 3.5, which is <laughs> 0.1 less than the average Letterboxd review score that this film has. Yeah. This right. film is doing reasonably well on the review well, circuit. It's doing fine, so, but also like... It's doing fine. It's doing better than it's doing on this podcast, baby. <laughs> Critics like six out of ten, and Baz Luhrmann's always That's, been popular. Yeah, I know. Like, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's just like like the fucking eye of the storm for you two fellas. Like, mm. as soon as I came out, I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is gonna be so much bubble wrap the beach yeah. station boys. <laughs> I yeah. Oh, I they're gonna have so, snakes so hot they melt through the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I understand where both of you are coming from. I thought it was fun. The um the person beside me in the cinema was also on their phone the whole time. So great. I I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And I should have asked her. Hey, excuse me. Are you on the phone because you're <laughs> fucking funny? Funny. She was just like, are you on the phone to a group be, chat with all your boys be, ripping be, on this be, movie? Pretty funny. You like look at the thing and it's like letterbox giving it like fucking three and a half out of ten. Like, <laughs> oh, that was the other thing. Last thing I'll say that, yep. that that for me was exemplary of how much he's fucking up telling the story in this film. Yeah. So visually, spoiler alert again, we see Tom Hanks as a character die. Right, we see he breathes his last breath. He's gone. Not, from not this a spoiler. He was born in the twenties. It's fine. Great. Right. We see the old man die, and then we get a text crawl, documentary style of here's where they are today, and it tells you about shit that that character did that was exploiting Elvis's debts while he was still alive. It's like show me that in the movie. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. If, don't show it. You don't have oh, to show Oh, by it. the way, here's shit that we felt wasn't really very clear. Yeah, here's <laughs> what we didn't get time to cover in the two-hour, 40-minute yeah. runtime. There- Are you fucking joking? Yeah, there's an interview where Baz was like, oh, this is a four-hour rough cut. <laughs> <laughs> like a, this like is going to be the film that makes me push for a 90-minute runtime. Yeah. Like, I hate this. I will say, Elvis, love his music. Again, 
all every, this movie did was make me want to listen to more of his music. Right. Every and single that's bit. All it's meant to do. Every single bit of this movie. That's all that he's just. Oh, he sucks. Every that's single bit of this movie that I, I I loved was when Austin Butler was on stage. Austin Butler's performance is fucking incredible. Honestly, like a ten out of ten performance. His dancing was so good. He went so great between uh, like young heartbreak hotel. That's all right, Mama Elvis, and then like seventies middle aged. Like kind of slurring his words, like that kind of Elvis. Mm. Um, he looked like I kind of I completely lost him in a character. There's one the scene makeup, where he's like fat Elvis, and, right. and I'm not oh, even that, sure that actually. Th- there's halfway through that bit it where he's singing real footage, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I was looking for the moment, and I was like, oh, I think that's where it is, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. The unchanged. I will say, and I also didn't know if he actually gained weight for the part. So that if that was makeup. The they makeup, incredible. The makeup that they did, I don't think he did because he looks incredible in interviews. Well, that's, so, yeah, he would yeah. have had to gain weight for like a 15-second right. shot. The <laughs> makeup that they do where he's got like, not jowls, but he's a bit thick. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got, got that, that sort of middle-aged yeah. thickness and yeah. his skin is kind of glistening. Mm. He's, he looks perfect. The makeup in this movie is so good. Mm. He looks... He looks like he actually is like a bit thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man, this this. Uh, it looks it. it uh, the entirety of the set design in this film, not the way it's mm. shot, but the, the way that the it set looks design in this is film fucking fantastic. Is great. Have exactly. we got set design, wardrobe, all Correct. the makeup, yeah. everything about? Like I said, every crew member that worked on this film, which by the way was a lot of Australians, and from That's what also I hear, what I it to was say a about nightmare that. shoot. Oh, Interesting. Funnily enough, because he has no respect for their time. That's um, right. That's have right. we, have we got a no fucking plan? But did put a, a lot of Australian actors on pedestals, which is cool because a lot of the cast were all Australians, which yeah. I didn't realize. I did yeah. not realize that. There's the guy from Stranger Things in it as well. Yeah. Um, I, I oh, want yeah, you guys to, to wrap this up. I want you guys to tell me your favorite Baz Luhrmann movie, your favorite uh, <laughs> musical biopic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can they both be Elvis? <laughs> and, your f- <laughs> and your favorite? <laughs> no, because I'll kill you. <laughs> Elvis, 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 and your favorite, and your favorite. So, anyone who anyone who gives those answers is getting put through this table. <laughs> <laughs> and your favorite Elvis song. So my 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 favorite Baz Luhrmann movie is still Strictly Ballroom. Uh, my favorite uh, biopic, I think, is probably Ray. I think the one the one you said there as well. Um, I think mm. it's Ray. Yeah, Ray, Ray is a ripper of a musical biopic. Uh, and my favorite Elvis song is probably Suspicious Minds, which I think they do in the movie. Yeah, they do. Uh, I also really love Hound Dog. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> All right. Zach. Oh, yeah, yep. shut up. <laughs> you look like you're Googling still. <laughs> I was just making sure I was getting the song title right. I know which song it is. Um... Oh, look, probably Moulin Rouge. I haven't seen it for a long time, but I remember liking it as a kid. Great. Um, I remember not liking Australia. I took my nan to watch Australia. That's right. Don't pick Australia. That's fine. confused the whole way through the yeah, film. Right. Yeah, and you and me back, back this? At the time, I was like, oh, my poor confused grandma. Then looking back, I'm like, oh, no, his films are fucking confusing. <laughs> she was like, why do, they, why, why do they keep casting Nicole Kidman? <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite by book, uh, by, by a pick. That's yep. not as bad as the name thing, though. Oh, it's um, definitely not. <laughs> I haven't watched that many, but I had a friend tell me, and he loves Elvis, loves 
Elvis. Um, I had him tell me because you know he, he recognized there were problems with this film too. Where do you um, find these fucking late twenty year olds that love Elvis? Oh fuck! I'll say because you're gonna say Ray. I'll say uh, the Johnny Cash movie. The oh no! I was gonna that say one. that you fuck. Walk the line. You didn't Walk say the, the title. Line. It's mine. No, it's mine. Because he the told me it's his movie. favorite Sorry. biopic. The adjudicators are in. That is Zach's. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's, that's, you <laughs> said Cert- Ray. So certified you me good. Here. <laughs> All right, but yeah, and yours is the Bob Dylan one where he was played by twelve uh, people. You dumbass. There's no good Beatles one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my favorite song, I think, is what's sorry, the one? just just so listeners can, if they're in the in the mood for a biopic, what was that? Walk the line. Walk the line. Yeah, Johnny Cash. It's Johnny Walking Cash. Phoenix playing Johnny Cash. Yeah, that movie fucking really. I've heard. I've heard. I don't know. Oh well, fuck me. I guess Walking Phoenix is in it. Yeah, it was know. gonna be your favorite biopic. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't care about directors. I'm a member of the public. As <laughs> <laughs> opposed to, yeah, you can only get away with that for so long when you become a famous podcaster. <laughs> watch, watch, watch us Google it, and then no one care about what the answer is. Um, while you James th- Mangold, okay. are you happy? Uh, yeah, I'm much happier. <laughs> Mangold, right? And your favorite uh, yeah, Elvis so Presley I song? I keep forgetting the name of it. That's the la- It's the one he sings. It's his final performance, Unchained Melody. Yeah, right. That good one. song. That's no, very it's, fucking it's good. good. It's and also, fun. seeing that video is amazing because he looks he looks like a fucking mess, and then he opens yeah. his mouth and it's just angelic. Oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's insane. The bit, he, the bit where he like gets those high notes. Like, ah! It's oh, it's man. ridiculous. It does. He looks like he's actively dying on stage. Dude, yeah. that's that's kind of what I had in my head, right? Because like, uh, so Zach and I both studied psychology, and and there's things that still work in the brain when other parts of the brain oh, aren't yeah. working. And it kind of feels like when you're watching him on stage, he's like drug fucked out of his mind. He can yeah. barely focus on the people around him. What his brain on a base level knows <laughs> how to just do doing the singing. is still sing. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And the, it was like watching a corpse sing. The craziest yeah. bit about that is that I got this like euphoric rush when it started showing Elvis footage on screen. Like the real actually, Elvis. Yeah. The real Elvis. I got such such a mad rush seeing Elvis on the big oh, screen. After he dies in the movie, there's an audio clip of someone saying, oh, was has left the building oh, and yeah. I, it made me want to kill myself no good um, oh. but yeah I got such a rush from watching actual Elvis on screen and I thought oh this is what the movie was trying to capture the whole time and right. didn't do at you all just I got, I got you way more of a, an Elvis concert right, I got way more of a rush from watching old footage of Elvis than mm. I did from anything else in the movie mm. yeah. yeah I'm um, glad that you experienced that <laughs> okay. Andrew got a rush when he rushed out of the oh, fucking yeah. Oh, yeah. cinema okay. I, I, got, I, I got wine twice in this movie <laughs> did you say <laughs> that you'd left the building when you left the building <laughs> now Andrew Favorite um, Baz Luhrmann movie? Yeah, favorite Baz Luhrmann movie is Great Gatsby. Idiot. The only one, <laughs> the only one that I've actually enjoyed. I haven't seen. That's Moulin been my Rouge. experience of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen Moulin Rouge. Um, I've seen Romeo plus Juliet. I've seen Australia. I fucking hated them both. Love that you say plus every single time. That's the title. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not making the title up. That's the title. Did mate. I? Did I? Ta- did I name the movie Australia? <laughs> Are you saying that they Baz Luhrmann paid me to name the movie? What is that they, what you're what saying? Did you have me call it? Romeo and Juliet? No, that's what Shakespeare said. That's not what Baz Luhrmann said. Okay, it's Romeo plus Juliet. Right. <laughs> Equals Andrew's right. death. Favorite, have you got a favorite biopic? Um, yeah, it would be right. It would be right. Yeah. I mean, well. I just haven't watched that many musical biopics because I'm not. It I suppose it doesn't have to be a musical biopic, but there's been a lot recently. Uh, but same for normal biopics, I guess. Um, yeah. Did you yeah. like the eight-hour-long Beatles? Mm. Oh, have we got eight hours for me to talk about? Games? <laughs> I already <laughs> talked about that on the podcast. Right. Um, it's banned. And your favorite <laughs> Elvis? Your favorite Elvis song? Favorite Elvis song is uh, "Can't Help Falling in Love with You." Oh, that song rules. Yeah, that's, that's a good choice. That's my favorite. 
All right, which well, I think I was trying to Google and then I lost the tab off. So if that's not quite the name, no, that's it. Everyone knows that. That's the so yeah, um, that rules. That's my favorite. All right, well, uh, enjoy listening to that on this the way out of this one, podcast. Which we, we can justify by saying we've got fifty uh, percent uh, extra guests. That's right. So we get fifty percent <laughs> yeah. extra runtime. Fucking hundred percent extra antagonism. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Uh, did you like Elvis? Are you an idiot? Are you email <laughs> us. Yeah, and ma- remember to mark your envelopes. I'm a fucking idiot, and I like the Elvis movie. <laughs> Uh, you, you can email us with your with your stupid stupid tags, beefstation at gmail. Is it was that what it is? Beefstation pod. Don't email beef us. We don't need to hear about your stupid opinions. <laughs> Beefstationpod at gmail.com You can join the Facebook Hit group. Us up in the Facebook group. L- look in the description uh, for what we're going to be watching next. But we haven't decided yet. But well, by the time pick this one, so right. So, yeah. so, so now we're going to be watching the fucking Irishman next week, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've really shat the bed on this one. I really made my own bed. One here. of your three wishes, and it's fucking <laughs> wasted. <laughs> Welcome to the Monkey Paw Podcast. Yeah. That's uh, actually great. such a good podcast name. <laughs> uh, I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. And I was Zach. Hey, See Zach. you later. <laughs> We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. Because I love you too much, baby. Can't you see what you're doing to me when you don't believe a word I say? We can't go on together with suspicious. Yo